Ron and Fez show starts right now.
Okay, let's get down to it, Bopper. Hey, buddies. It's the Run Fez Show. The wise men tell us today is Tuesday and shall forevermore fall between thy Monday and thy Wednesday. Tuesday booze day? I guess. Two for Tuesday? <laughs> I guess you could either do a two for Tuesday, you could do a roofer Tuesday, and just enjoy yourself. Take a little snack, uh, a little snack and nap time for yourself. Catch some sun. <laughs> not today, dude. I don't know whether you've looked up in the sky. I tried not to. It's gray and spitting on us. Uh, first of all, you heard me say it a million times all year long. L.A. Kings, keep an eye on these guys. I don't care where they come in. As long as they make the playoffs, they're going to be unstoppable. Well, I was right again. Six to one. That's a fucking beating. Right as rain. Sorry, Jersey. You are not the state of champions. Remember. Uh, and New York is not the city of champions. There's just right now to me, it's all about L.A. It's the West Coast, baby. Uh, tonight. Starts the NBA finals. Uh, every day is Sports Center in your life. Yeah, wherever you great. go, it's a constant Sports Center. Uh, Jerry Bark is coming in later. As you know, he despises the whore of Akron. I got good feelings about the whore, though. I, I just how the how he single-handedly put down the fucking Celtics. I believe that this could be the first of his eight ranks. His predicted eight rings. <laughs> that actually comes true. <laughs> Holy shit. Everyone, no reason it shouldn't. Everyone's going to look like an asshole. Well, he's still young enough. Yeah. I think he's only 18. Maybe 19 now. A little older. Big 19 now, when you look at him. Uh, so that'll get going. Uh, and, of course, the great basketball city of Oklahoma City. They're he's thrilled. Steeped in history for yeah. the game. I asked Fez what he wanted to start with today, and he brought up a gay thing. I said, I just got to keep it a little further back. Just you know, push it. Just push it. His idea was gay children sure like to dance on YouTube because Hicks finds these fucking things, <laughs> puts them up on the site as a way of hope. And, and Hicks' mind shaming Fez into a rage. <laughs> and it's just so annoying to me now. Right. I can no longer stand my life. All right. I, I always also am very disturbed when I watch these things. Because it's you always are. like underage dudes, and they're very sexual. It's seriously, it's borderline retarded at this point. <laughs> uh, but I think the big uh, interesting story right off the bat is crime is down everywhere. Uh, murder, robbery, uh, break-ins... Forcible rape. Oh, good. Uh, aggravated assault, theft, arson, motor theft, down everywhere. Thank you, Obama. Good work. Except for up a gigantic murder is up a gigantic 18%. What? In small towns. Any town less than 10,000 people in it, you need to start calling Murderville. This is horrifying statistics. This is, I mean, if TV taught me anything, the small town is the safest place to be. What show taught you that? I think the uh, Mayberry, right? The Mayberry. People just call it the Mayberry show. Andy Griffith. Uh, over the course of that show, there were 19 murders. Oh and a lot of people just kind of gloss over that. That cop was fucking lazy. Uh, you've got to look at small towns and go like this. Well, everybody's got guns, so... Any shit that breaks out, something, you know, hey, I know a way to figure this. I'll grab my gun and shoot him. 
math, which, believe it or not, a lot of times when you're doing math, you may think you are angrier than you are. Or uh, even a little more paranoid than you should be. Well, you probably haven't slept for a long time. Yeah. And you're speeding. So I guess that can't help your brain. One time when I was uh, snorting meth, I actually shook down a fucking quart of milk thinking it was wearing a wire. <laughs> Shit. And I was just fucking screaming, who have you been talking to? Oh, my God. That's rough. Yeah. Well, the fucking lucky thing is this. I got away. You know what? Sometimes you got to confront. Uh, Oxycontin and guns also a problem. Yeah, I, I probably can. But if you live in a small town, to uh, quote John Mellencamp, um, when he was talking about getting nuts there out in the sticks, he was completely right. Now, I don't have anyone on the phones today, so I'm just going to go to some of these just completely dead. Hi, you're on the Ron Face Show. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm not saying there's a direct correlation, but gun ownership is at the highest it's ever been. Uh, don't know if that has anything to do with it. Well, what would you do about the gun ownership in America? No, I'm for guns. Mm -hmm. So you're saying even though you're for guns, that may be why they're shooting each other. Yeah. Mm. All right, so what makes you for guns? Uh, they're fun. You can blow shit up. Yeah, that is true. You can't ever get behind that. It is fun. Yeah, Including your small town neighbors. Then again, so is meth and Oxycontin. Feels good. There's not a lot that doesn't happen in a small town that isn't just a fucking blast. And now it's just all falling the fuck apart. It's like this show. Uh, all right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I really am curious what is happening in small-town America. Where did everything get so weird? Where did everything get so nuts? Maybe everyone's just trying to get the fuck out as soon as they can, and no one wants anything to do with the small town anymore. Well, you're trying to guess that, but then they're still living there and shooting each other. There's an 18% jump. Something is happening in small town America that was not there before. Uh, 866 Ron Zero Fez. 866 Ron Zero Fez. Hi, I'll just go to this call. Hi, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Yes, sir. Uh, why doesn't the, the government, our government, get all these oxycontins, make money off them, selling them, and sell them to all these terrorist countries and get them all fucked up on them? Well, we don't even have to. Why don't we do this? Why don't we just drop boxy cotton bombs on them? So you are blaming the problem with small town America directly on oxycotton. It's the biggest fucking uh, yeah drug being used today. But I'm saying let's turn it around, make some money for this country because we don't have manufacturing. Uh -huh. The government gets a piece of it and gets involved in selling illegal drugs. So all these terrorist countries get them hooked on it. It's all fucked up. And they'll be too fucked up to attack us. All right, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. This is our, our new theory. Uh, we are now going to try to ship Oxycontin into, uh, I guess, Arab countries and hope that they eat a bunch of it and start and shoot themselves in the head the way we do. All right, let's go over here to Jay in Chicago. 
Jay. Hey, Ron. Yes. Uh, the, uh, there's no jobs. Everybody's unemployed, so everyone sits around getting messed up, and inevitably someone will get shot. All right, so you're saying that because we lack jobs in this country, people actually kill each other. Well, eventually, I suppose, you get stir-crazy, messed up. All right, so let's go over what we have so far. We've got okay. uh, people are bored, and two, let's ship the Oxycontin to Al-Qaeda na uh, nations. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Jeff, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. I think a uh, big part of the crime problem in the small towns is they're, they're replacing the factory jobs with prisons, and it just moves a whole different element of people into the small towns, and, you know, the crime rates go up. It does seem to be the one kind of job that we have in our smaller towns is prisons. Um, you're either going to send your kids to prison as a prisoner or a prison guard. Maybe Pips will jump on that uh, John Mellencamp small town to give us a little background here. But uh, it doesn't seem like these small towns are innocent at all. Uh, anymore. Uh, let's go over to uh, Sean in Colorado. Yeah, hey, Ron, it's not the Oxycontin. It's all about the bath salts. Yeah. That's what's causing the problem. Uh, the bath salts, there's really so many bath salts out there. Yeah, it, it, that shit's the fucking worst. It's, it's the lavender one. Yeah. The lavender bath salts seems to be the problem. Um, Aaron, you're on the Ronnie Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Yes, sir. Yes, I think uh, part of the reason I live in a uh, small town here in Iowa, and I think a big reason that we see here is all the gangsters, gangbangers, drug dealers, and everybody else from Chicago and the larger cities are moving in, moving away from their competition and taking over our towns. All right, so you honestly feel like it's outside gangbangers and gangsters. Absolutely. I think a uh, good solution will be to do like an Alcatraz kind of thing, uh, make Chicago a big walled-in city and not allow anybody in or out, and then that will eliminate the problems for the small towns. Well, you say that, and yet Chicago is like the number one tourist destination all summer long for people from those smaller towns. It's kind of the Paris of the Great Lakes, um, so they seem to like it quite a bit. But, um, Aaron, when did you notice that the small towns were changing for you? Oh, it's been about four years ago when we saw the increase in crime here in our town and uh, the surrounding smaller towns from us. It's been probably about four to five years. All right, about last four to five years. Now, he's blaming it on the city of Chicago. Totally? Uh, yeah. The Chicago uh, raises, grows gangsters, which they then export into uh, smaller towns. Let's go over here to Paco in Reno. Paco, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, yeah, I'm from, I used to be from a small town called Elko. It's in Nevada where all the, they're digging all that gold. And what you have now is guys are doing underground mining, making a hundred grand a year plus doing uh -huh. underground mining. And you're left with that small town mentality. So you go back, everyone's drunk at the bars, picking fights, and they got nothing better to do, Ronnie. 
All right, so it's boredom. It goes back to boredom. And you're saying rather than lack of uh, jobs, it's too much money. Yeah, it's just like rednecks. I mean, they got they make a hundred thousand plus a year. They got RVs. They like to hunt. They like to do all kinds of that. And it's just incestuous because uh, guys work the night shift. Guys get their wives screwed by other guys. And it's just it's just a mess. All right, let's um, let's also go over. You can uh, write this up too if you want to uh, check in with a small town becoming murder capitals. Is what it says on the iBang. Uh, this person says the caller was right. No factory jobs except for prison-type work. Uh, I can't imagine the uh, the mentality of even working as a guard in a prison has to start and weigh on you. It's gonna because let's up. face it, you're in prison too, at least during those shifts. Anything, you know, you've got to be worried about getting shipped. you got to be... Yeah. And it's got to make you somewhat of... Uh, uh, a fucking edgier person. Here's Ben in Atlanta. You're on the Run of Fez show. Ronnie. Yeah. I, I had to pull. I, I, I had to pull the fucking car over. This cat who called about shipping oxycontin over <laughs> overseas, <laughs> and he also said that, that the government can get a piece of it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, he wants us dealing oxycontin Al Qaeda. I told you. I can't fucking breathe, man. That's the best shit I've ever... He, he's hoping they'll hop up on it and just kill each other, and we're going to live in peace, yeah, man. Yeah, we're going to live in peace. This is this is the brain trust I put together every you afternoon here. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> uh, thanks. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, this up on the iBank today. I blame two shows, 16 and Pregnant and Toddlers and Tiaras. It is part of what I like to call... The Great White Slide. The Great White Slide. Uh, let's go over to um, Tom. Tom, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Okay, hear me out. I think it starts with uh, the conglomerates taking over, you know, like Walmart, taking over all the uh, the uh, small mom-and-pop style things. So that yeah. you, have less, you have less jobs. So then you have the disparity of people watching TV, they, they, the disparity of their the life. The lifestyles of the rich and famous that they see on TV between what they look around and see with see you know uh, sitting there in the living room with each other, right. and they end up hating their hating their own lives and hating each other, and then that equals they start murdering each other. Um, somewhere in there, I think there could be um, the fact of we don't know what we're living for. You know what I'm saying? We don't have this. Feeling of like this is what it's all about. No We've path. lost that. We've lost being able to measure. Are we on our path at the very least to say, are we doing the life that we set out for? And that basically makes us go a little bit uh, batshit. The interesting part of this is my entire life, uh, and I was raised in the suburbs. Uh, the big cities were the problem. And when you get outside the big cities is where you could find the American dream. Now we're looking at it and big cities are becoming safer than small town life. Small town life is where it gets real fucking weird really, really fast. Here's Brandon. Brandon, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Ronnie, I think I know what's down to the root of this whole problem is 
is homos, sexually frustrated homos that don't know what they really want. All right, let's move over here to uh, Joe. Joe, you're on the Run of Fed show. Hey, hey, maybe it's the complete moral degradation of our country, or it could be the highest government officials committing egregious crimes every fucking day and getting away with it. Nobody's fucking heads rolling. We have no leadership. But you know what? That should not really affect your small-town life, because small-town life used to make their own community. Small-town government. Um, you would not expect them to be sitting around acting like we need Washington, D.C. to take us somewhere. Now, let's just really think about that. That if you really go into the small towns, oh, they're blaming Hollywood, or they're blaming Wall Street, or they're blaming D.C., but what happened to small town people making their own fucking community and then when people come there from the outside going, oh my God, this is a nicer life. Look at you guys. You you don't lock your cars. You help each other. There were no You're there other. for each other. That shit is off the fucking wall now. You know, at the most, you could probably get some meth equipment from somebody. But other than that, um, it seems like it's lost some of its allure. I wanted, I'm going to talk to Marty in Indiana. Now, when I think of Indiana, I think of uh, maybe a cornfield, and there's a farm out there. Oh. And in the middle of that farm, there's a driveway, and there's a tall, lanky kid just fucking shooting a hundred fucking threes before he goes to school. And then he comes home, and he does his chores, and he starts to work on layups, fucking couple off the line, and then back to the trays. I'm talking about the bird. What happened to all that? Uh, Marty in Indiana, what do you got for me, buddy? Hey, yeah, Roddy, you got that right. Uh, I noticed when I live in some of these small towns here that, that people don't have any uh, respect or fear of the law enforcement anymore. They know who they are. They know where they live. And then sometimes they'll come right out and threaten them. Uh, if you come after me for dealing drugs or whatever, I know where you live. And I'll burn your house down with your kids in it. So a lot of times that law enforcement will just kind of look the other way, and they can get away with a lot more that way. So the law enforcement, which normally happens to be some local guys out there, you think is being pushed around by the criminal element, owned almost. Yeah. Now this is oh, the yeah, same I, exact I shit that used to happen with Al Capone back in Chicago. You know, this was the whole thing when you can't. Trust your local law enforcement. Uh, we're talking about these, um, and this is up on the iBank today, uh, figures out that crime is down everywhere except for small towns. 10,000 people less are becoming uh, murder fucking capitals. Here's Luke in Massachusetts, Sharon Manifest. Hey, what's going on? I think uh, what happened with some of these towns is that they used to be able to keep the influence of the outside world out. And now we have the Internet, which pipes it right in. And they see these videos where people are doing crazy stuff, and they go, well, I ain't got nothing to do, so I'm going to go do that, too. Well, the fact is, there's less crimes now in the places that you say are bringing this in. You've got to take some responsibility. That the small town itself is becoming batshit. And everything that was great about living in a small town, a uh, community, and uh, a chance to slow it down a little bit, that's all uh, being left as people are now fearful for, from each other and driving around high on fucking meth.
until they need to crash and then loading up on the Oxycontin. And then gun battles breaking out in the streets. Yeah, I come down. It's fucking Hatfields and the McCoys might be the perfect name <laughs> for when you get out of the cities. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's Nick in Arkansas. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, yeah, this last year, out here in my town, out in Arkansas, the sheriff and 26 of his deputies got busted by the feds because they'd been helping out a meth dealer down here and letting him get by and helping him uh, tell him whenever they were going to get check on him. And, and uh, they were his buddies. And when they did, the feds busted him. He had 100 pounds of meth. That's so much methamphetamine. There's uh, never Back when we did that back in the 90s, You'd run out after a couple of days. That was all you could ever get. Now those kids that have that, where they stay up for months and go crazy. Well, they've actually made it a lot uh, simpler to make, uh, which, you know, when you keep hearing about these portable meth labs and stuff like that, I'm like, that's fucking foreign to me. But again, we've heard the same thing again. These small town police can no longer be trusted because sometimes they're hooking up with the criminal element. Um, and that takes us back to the Godfather. Somebody's got to say, you mind if I go into the restroom? 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Let's go to, over to J.D. in Texas. J.D., what do you got? Hey, Ronnie. Uh, no, I, was just, I think it all boils down to nobody, nobody deals with their problems one-on-one or just dukes it out anymore. You know, there's there's guys just a little bit younger than me that have, have never been in any kind of real confrontation in their life, and then they finally snap and want to get want to get violent. And there's, I mean, there's times whenever you just got to step outside and, and handle it and and not bottle it up for your whole life until it just pushes you over the edge. So you're saying the first fight that people get into nowadays is a gunfight? Yeah, I mean, they just they they take it too far because they've got they've been dealing with that. That I mean, we're we're aggressive animals. And you can only hold that back for so long. Eventually, if you push somebody far enough, they'll snap. We've got to worry about bullying. That's our main thing. We worry about bullying. Um, thank you for calling. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Let's go over here to Sue. Sue, what do you got for me, darling? Hey, Ronnie. How you doing, honey? Good, hon. You know, I think what's happening in small-town America is sort of like a growing pain situation where... There's all this technology, there's all this information, the internet is just exploded. And where in the city 10, 20 years ago, kids were sort of jaded and had a lot of life experience at a young age. So when all this technology hit, they sort of were more prepared for it. You get into a small town or rural areas where they don't have that sort of lifestyle, they don't have that exposure, the internet is just overwhelming. And it's almost like a fantasy. And there's got to be sort of an allowance, a time allowance for these kids to catch up. Mm. And sort of, uh, I hate to use the word, become more sophisticated, but sort of expose themselves, adapt, recognize what's real, what's not real, what's doable and not doable. Maybe we start to really limit what you can get in the small towns. I like to take them back to CompuServe and move our way up there and the only video games that they're going to get is Space Invaders. And then move them along. You know, it's almost like we said if we go to another like on Star Trek, when you go to another planet, 
you don't want to give them too much technology. You, you may you want them to grow at their own pace. Yeah, interrupt natural order. Maybe we've got the sticks growing at an inner city pace, and it's fucking freaked them out completely. Now, Hicks, you got a story up on the uh, iBank today about the Apple Blossom Festival. And you even know what state this took place in? Uh, no, I think it's uh, Oklahoma. It's Oklahoma? Because I thought it might have been Virginia in the Shenandoah Valley. Uh, but it's the... Apple Blossoms? Apple, to 2012 Apple Blossom Festival. Okay. Uh, put this up. This is, um, of course, part of the Great White Slide. And it's this little, and this should be adorable. It's a nice small town, and it looks like we're on a parade route. Yeah. Here's what I don't understand. And at best, this is suburban area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, why are riot police walking around before anything happens. I'm freaked out by that. I mean, you brought up Mayberry today. This is about as Mayberry looking as you can get. And here comes the riot police. Um, let's take it back just a second. And we'll put up the volume and we'll all be in this together. Make a show out of it. Um, but they see a guy who's drunk, high, whatever. And they decide, we're going to bum rush this fucking loser. He's not listening to us, the riot police. They attack him. And tackle them, take them down solid, unfortunately, above some toddlers. So they're laying on top of little kids having a fight. And look at this sweaty fucking weirdo, messed up or whatever he is. Yeah. And they're laying on top of kids. Like three kids. Children. Tiny children. I love you see the one mother go, jumping up. What the fuck are you doing? And it also looks like you have a volunteer or a superhero in the middle of it. Yeah, some dude out of the crowd just fucking jumped in to hold this dude down, other dude down. All right, so there is a, a perfect example, and you'll see this under uh, Great White Slide uh, with the clusterfuck. It's a perfect example. Of this dichotomy of small towns. You've got an adorable looking little quaint parade route set up for the uh, uh, the Apple Blossom Festival. This is what you're looking for in a small town. Let's have this. Some local nice fucking yeah. thing that the whole town participates in. Then you've got a meth head who is drunk and wired and in the middle of this. Weird. Yeah, basically <laughs> looking like a shark in a goldfish tank. But then the weirdness of these riot police... In full gear. For the Apple Blossom Festival. So... <laughs> where there may be, in front of us, a hundred people tops. Just lined lined up, one, yeah. In one single row. <laughs> well, they're and they're diving on top of children. Yeah. The people that they should be uh, protecting... Get zero thought in this, and the mothers are trying to pull the kids out. This is under, of course, the Great White Slide, uh, what's up on the uh, iBank today. Um, let's go over here to, um, let's go over to Adam in Iowa. Adam, what's happening in small towns? Yeah, hey, Ronnie. Hey, I just wanted to let you know, uh, you know, I kind of grew up in the 80s and 90s, and that was really the second generation after the farm crisis. Uh -huh. And those people kind of lost their asses, and most farmers, it seemed like, went under. That killed the small-town business. 
and left the next generation with no hope. Now people my age are having kids, and a lot of those never even have a chance. I mean, if you don't have an education, you don't have a job, you're just on welfare cooking meth all day and getting yacked out of your fucking brain. And these are kids that would have grown up uh, working on family farms. Absolutely, and I think that the family farm supported the local business, and when they went under, you know, it just was a snowball effect, and now, you know, it's just a, a mess. But these small towns, half of them are at least unemployed. The county sheriff down here just got busted for OWI, and he didn't even lose his job, and the sheriff before that was kind of busted for allowing meth rings to kind of take over the area. Who uh, who runs and owns those farms that those families used to own? Well, a lot of it went up to bankruptcy. It was bought by investors. A lot of them have since turned over to the farmers that made it. Luckily, our family farm barely eked through, and we were able to grow. And my brother farms with my family, and, and I work in the ag industry myself. But I went through four years of education and got the fuck out of that area, or I probably would have been in the same boat. All right, I appreciate you calling. Um, that was, uh, of course, and I remember back in the 80s, uh, when Willie Nelson, uh, Bob Dylan, John Mellencamp, Neil Young, people like that, started the whole farm aid thing. And I remember thinking, well, how the hell could a farm go out of business? I hear you guys bitching about this, but you have the land. Everyone needs food. Yeah, you need food. What could possibly go wrong here? Um, well, once again, Willie Nelson, ahead of the curve. No one listened to him. Um, let's go over here to Dave. Dave in Michigan, you're in my defense. Hey, man. I, I have to say I feel like a lot of this stems from the entitlement mentality that comes from everybody's a winner. And when you grow up in this small town with this modern ideal that everybody gets a participation trophy, when you get to a certain age, you realize that you have to dig a ditch or be a farmer, and you're not a fucking winner. Then you just drop out, you've lost all hope, and you go to the gas station and you buy your bath salts, and, you know, there's the rest of your life. You, you turn to your meth. Because you haven't won. It's like the big city culture being piped into the small town. It doesn't translate. It doesn't work out that way. The quitting mentality is what gets to me. Because when was this ever? Uh, when was America ever had anything but really hard times in their past? Take a look back. Read a fucking history book. As much as you're bitching today or worrying today or anxious today. Would it have been harder for you if you were born 100 years ago? Fuck yeah. 70 years ago? 50 sucks. years ago? Absolutely. Those were fucking harder people. And you never sit around and, you know, read one of those stories and then start to hear that someone was having panic attacks. <laughs> it was during the Great Depression. We didn't have anything but a loaf of bread for an entire family and sometimes some stew. I was in the dust bowl and I just... Dad would end up shaking and telling everybody he was worried and he didn't know why. He would uncontrollably start to cry and say that we didn't understand. <coughs> His parents had been pretty rough on him as a child. Back in the arts. Um, let's go over here to, uh, Bill. Bill, you're on my face. Hey, Ronnie, yeah, I'm not saying it's TV's fault, but these little fuckers, I live in the middle of nowhere, man. 
They try to, you know, emulate copy what goes on on TV and shit. And uh, two weeks ago in small city in Maine, they had a fucking gunfight with Mac Tents. There's like a thousand people population in the town. What's why you got to be fucking kidding me? That's what they're trying to do. It's copy what's on TV. So it's TV's fault. Oddly, so many of these problems aren't the uh, responsibility of the people who live in these towns. Now, you would have never in the past, when they were so proud of themselves, said, you know where we're getting it from is TV. Uh, TV has taught us how to live. TV has helped us. We're doing great. Uh, the Internet's doing fantastic for us, so we've been able to do more and more things. Uh, the Great White Slide, this picture's up. And I always call this the Great White Slide because there would have been a time, particularly in small town, where this... A dude that would have shown up drunk or high on meth All at the up. yeah at the apple blossom thing would have heard from his friends and neighbors, buddy, what's happening? You seem like you're in some kind of trouble here. <laughs> you're off the fucking rails. But you can see that he's more or less a stranger to the people around him. Yeah, now just... we don't have any idea. We know there's a couple of these um, apple blossoms festivals. One is in Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. One is in Washington State. I like the fact right now that we don't know exactly where it is. <laughs> um, let's go over here to Gary in Virginia. You're on the Fez. Oh, yeah, Ronnie. I'm uh, from out there near that little town in Virginia, uh, out near Winchester, Virginia, where they have the apple blossom. Uh -huh. but, when you, but when you see these small-town cops dressed up like the riot police in the 60s in Chicago, it's a scary thing, and they're getting all this funding from the government, from this, you know, the terrorist money, that now these guys are, are thank for God. And then the quality of the people they get. Uh, for example, I had a neighbor who had lost his license permanently for multiple DWIs. He moves away. Next time I see him, he's a sheriff. Uh, it's a pretty scary proposition. So you got somebody who's unstable to begin with. You give him riot gear and make him think he's Superman, and now he's busting heads. It's yeah, very scary. There's sometimes, like in a smaller town, Hicks, and you're not used to this because uh, you didn't grow up that way, but a policeman kind of means like bouncer, where they'll just like, hey, here's a really big guy, and if there's any trouble, he's the big guy that can handle it. Uh, that doesn't always make him the smartest guy. <laughs> I'm not saying across the board that all small-town cops are bad, uh, but I think even good small-town cops would agree that there's some bad ones out there. Uh, now, the riot gear is interesting because here... I don't know whether you can put on this crazy helmet and with the visor down and feel as if you're part of that community. You must feel like some kind of a a foreign entity it's to the same shit. place that you grew up at. It's a 9-11 paranoia where something happened in the country, small town people freaked about it just as much as people in those cities, and it's like they're waiting for the next thing to go down. Uh, let's go over here to, um, uh, let's go over to Harvey, Harvey Ermanifes. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Yeah. Hey, listen, you guys are circling around the problem here, I think. I'll, I'll get to the root of it. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's not the internet or the, the drugs and, uh, you know, the TV and stuff. It's these Kool-Aid competitions. See, we have these Kool-Aid competitions. That's probably what they had at that Apple Blossom thing. 
kids bring guns to these Kool-Aid making competitions and they start shooting each other up because one guy adds more sugar than the John Staten Island, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, buddies. Uh, just to speak to your, um, uh, you know, observation about why we're so delicate now when we weren't in the Depression. Uh, I think a, re a result of the programs that came out of the Depression, including welfare and some of the other government benefits we now enjoy, um, have taught generations of Americans how to be helpless. Um, I, you, while you're hosting two radio shows right now, or three, I'm, I'm getting my master's in education. And uh, they teach us about learned helplessness. You should expect your student to say, I can't do this. Because they learn when they say they can't, oh, here, let us help you. Here's some money. If you, you can't get a job, here's some money. You can't make ends meet, here's some money. Can't do math, here's some money. It's a, it's a phenomenon that's only about 75 years old, and it's a, a direct result of how tough we were in the Depression and, the, uh, and then Roosevelt's, I think, uh, uh, New Deal. Um. I don't know. Again, there we are blaming it on the government. Somehow it's the government's fault People where you've got to be able to understand uh, you're never going to get above the government. You're never going to get above big corporations. But why should that change the way you live your life? I think that there's a thing of if I can't do something, I'm glad to hand it over. I'm glad to let somebody else take my responsibilities from me. I'm That's, glad to give up on it. The fucking government isn't making people eat fucking Oxycontin and fucking cook meth. Yeah, I mean, if make you... Make money and get high. If you really want to go back into that, even people's thing of what they want is more government this to cut it out or more government that to cut it out. But the fact of the matter is, if there's a fucking pile of Oxycontin sitting in front of you, it's still your choice whether you fucking eat it or not. Yeah. That's fucking tough for um, people to fucking deal with. Um, here's Chris in Iowa. Chris, what do you got? Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. Hey, um, I just noticed where I'm from probably the last 10, 15 years. It's just been a problem with starting first with the job. Like, you know, when I was younger, a lot of my, my dad's friends and my dad. You know, they could walk down the street, and uh, we live outside like a Waterloo, Cedar Falls uh, hub right there where it's about 100,000 people mm -hmm. in a university. Well, you could walk down, there used to be five, six factories like John Deere, Chamberlain, manufacturers. Right. Any guy who didn't choose to go to college, didn't have, didn't have the grades or the money or the parents that could afford to go over there for him, he could walk down there, get a pretty good job, and, and end up doing okay where if he did did well and taught his kid right, his kid could probably do something better than him. Well, now it's down to like one or two, maybe yeah. just John Deere. And so what happens, a lot of kids are afraid to go to school because, you know, a lot of people do want to stay in Iowa, but there's not a lot of uh, big jobs for college-educated people in Iowa. So mm -hmm. the kids that are, were borderline about going to college, they're like, well, shit, I'm, I'm just going to take this cushy job that I know I can get because through nepotism, because that's how a lot of stuff works in these smaller towns, and that pushes all those guys out that don't have that first edge with nepotism, and they don't want it. I mean, they're not going to go to college because there's always going to be people that don't go, so they got even less of an option for getting a decent job, and, you know, on top with, like you guys were speaking with the, the Internet, 
Well, it's and really a uh, lot of blame. You know, I'm yeah. sorry, Ryan, I didn't mean to cut you off, but what I like is I was a bartender for like ten years, you mm. know, and I, I had a kid, I had to get a real life, you know, so I get started driving trucks. And I used to listen to people whine about inside the Waterloo Cedar Falls area about how bad the inner city was. And we called it inner city. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they you know, they blame a lot of stuff on you know, it used to be so nice downtown. Well, then everybody moved out to the suburbs when they got their good jobs and all that. And it kind of, the inner city kind of fell apart. And they used to just like say that, you know, they ruined it, whether it be black people or Hispanics that moved in with railroads and the lower factory paying jobs. And now it's funny because I see all these white people sitting there who used to just say, oh, they're the problem, look what they've done. And now that there aren't jobs there, for all the white people that were privileged that, you know, could have their buddy get them a job, now they know what it's like to just have to go out on your own merit and either get a job through your education or just by giving a good interview. And now they're starting to see how the other side might see it. If all right, thank you very much for calling. It's a very interesting point, yeah, that you look back and the inner city seems to be where the go-getters want to go. Uh, I'm amazed by people of uh, Hicks's generation of what they're willing to move into uh, <laughs> and kick up a notch and make it, you know, a little better. It's actually causing problems because a lot of people are being forced out of yeah. inner city. Because these young white kids want to move into it. Like Bed-Stuy and Bloomsburg used to be like fucking horrible neighborhoods. Yeah. Like Bed-Stuy, I hang out at Bed-Stuy, there'd be fucking wild dogs running around. Uh-huh. And now just their condominiums are going up and white. Yeah, but now you first, can't afford to live there. Yeah. First, there's just white kids from outside New York moving in just saying, shit, it's cheap. We can get, it's close to the train. Uh, and then that, you know, keeps all going in. But his point of industry leaving, when I, I grew up in a, an area where there were a bunch of different factories that people would end up in. All our dads worked factory jobs. Uh, and all those factories are gone. So what happens to all those kids? They end up working in cubicles or marketing or fucking insurance um, and not making as much money as their dad made working a fucking swing shift. It's, uh, it's a different fucking world. And, you know, we we had to have seen this stuff going down in the 80s. We had to know this is where it was going. How could you get rid of the jobs and be okay? And then they're going to turn around and, and blame, um, you know, unions on that. But they've moved the jobs over where people work for a couple of dollars a day. Yeah, it's I mean, you'd be poor if you did it here. You've been playing means nothing. Uh, Joe, yeah. you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, guys. Um... There's an interesting book called Hunting Deer with Jesus um, about a guy who grew up in Winchester, Virginia, which is like right outside, I guess, where that apple picking, whatever the hell it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got out, he became a journalist, and he wrote this book about these people and why they are the way they are. And you had a caller saying that these people are looking for a handout. They want to be on the government hill, which, according to him, couldn't be more wrong. They don't want handouts. Their parents, like you were saying, worked in factory jobs. All those jobs get shipped overseas. Now there's like one factory left in the town. They make 8 to 10 bucks an hour, and they barely scrape by. And they listen to Fox News. They vote Republican. Everything that they believe in is completely antithetical to their interests. But this is how they were raised, to be able to care for themselves. They don't need anybody else. So it's like this fucked-up mentality, and it goes on throughout the Midwest and the South. It's, it's just it's perpetual. It's perpetual. 
Uh, all right, thanks. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Here's Tony in Iowa. You're on the Ron Fez show. Yeah, Ronnie. Uh, I think the problem is uh, credit cards and crank. Yeah, take your uh, paycheck, cash it, buy a bunch of crank, run up your credit cards on uh, everything else you need to buy, and then you're stuck with a bunch of debt. Uh, it's very, very true that your first credit card comes in a little too easy, and there's a lot of people who never recover from that. Luckily for me, I'm still not eligible for any sort of credit card. <laughs> well, in the same way that they will say you can't rent a car until you're 25 years old. I I think it should be pretty goddamn difficult to get that first credit card. It would make sense. And the kid running around with his mom's credit card is just bad shit. Because he's the last person ever to fucking figure out then what a credit card is for. What is his money worth? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's go over to Steve in Toronto. You're on the fence. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Uh, we, have, we have the same sort of problem up here in Canada. Hello? Yes, I'm listening. Yeah. We have the same sort of problem up here in Canada. And what, what we're finding is people are leaving the cities for financial reasons. It's cheaper to live out in the burbs. And the people that are on the lower income classes that are moving tend to be the criminals. So you've got people moving out of the cities that are the criminals to the smaller towns, taking their criminal ways with them. Uh, you know, hence the the rate of violent acts or criminal activities is raising accordingly uh, with them as they move. So, uh, I mean, your previous caller kind of hit it on the head that, that that that's the problem, and and we see it up here as well. I mean, Toronto used to be one of the safest cities in North America. Uh, then we went through a, a rough patch where it, we saw an increase in crime. Prices went through the roof to live in Toronto, and everyone's moved out of the city, and now it's the burbs around Toronto that have the highest crime rates in the province, and Toronto's actually one of the safest cities again. All right, thanks for calling. Uh, it's very. Who would have thought that the suburbs would be weirder than the fucking inner city. Who would have saw, saw that one coming? Never. Uh, here is uh, Corey. Corey, you're on Run a Fez. Hey, hi, Ron. Uh, yeah. I think it's all gentrification of the large cities because, like your other callers say, it's the 50-year reversal of that white flight from the 60s. Now, the you know, that money's moving back into the cities and it's pushing poor folks to where they can afford to live and they're bringing the crime with them. I don't. I think that this fucking crime is homegrown. You know what I mean? I think you can sit around and blame your outsiders from Chicago or whatever, but I think it's fucking homegrown. And I guarantee you, a lot of times when you go out in the sticks and you run into those people, uh, you don't know what the hell they're talking about. They're fucking covered in ink. I don't know what kind of fucking. And they just have. Crazy eyes and just yeah. fucking just weirdos. And, they're, and they're ready to fucking throw down. They are ready to to get it. Let's do it. Go mom. It's fucking Hatfields and McCoys. It really is. And what is weird is that we have come to laugh and love that redneck fucking culture. Everyone thinks it's funny when they've got this 
redneck relative who isn't working and is eating pills. It becomes the family joke. Instead of the family go, hey, what are we going to do about fixing this? Now, think of your family. You know who that fucking person is. There's somebody in your family acting batshit, and everybody's laughing it off. Um, here is... Uh, let's go over here to... Uh, let's go to John. John, a lot of people want to talk about this guy. Go ahead, John. Hey, Ronnie B. First off, before I, I stutter my way through a, a thought, I just want to like say that you and the show... Are brilliant, and the, just the fact that you guys have the the forum that you can stimulate a thought, and we can talk to you, a regular guy with a really just amazing ability to convey a message and an intellect and all that stuff. This is old think. school talk radio, dude. That's all. Yeah, bro. yeah, brother. So next, the, what I want to get at, I think that there's, there's a crazy twisted thread that goes throughout this whole thing, and it's sort of it's this crazy sense of entitlement that if if you trace the thread back. I think goes back to sort of the, this demasculization of men and this masculinization of women. And I think it's, you know, fathers, men who don't aspire to be good fathers and women who don't aspire to be good mothers. Maybe not purposely, maybe not with the intent of not being a good mother or father, but just this whole role of just being a man and, and working hard. And I think that, you know, the small town's greatest staple in America was the hard-working man and woman, yeah. a woman who, who knew their role. And, that, and it's not a matter of, you know, barefoot and pregnant and, you know, machoism. It's, it's just knowing your role and, and doing the best you can and living and, and working for your family and for your children and for the future and not for yourself. And I think that all lends to this crazy sense of entitlement that starts so young, and it starts with parents, and it starts. Well, with a lot of it has to do with this. We got in this thing with "don't work hard, work smart." Where after a while, you feel like a dope if you're working hard because some other guy is cutting fucking corners yeah. and looking how well he's doing. And this has happened with Chris Stanley here. <laughs> were you exactly thinking of yourself? Oh uh, yeah, Sadly. I knew you were. <laughs> I knew you were. <laughs> Uh, it's stupid Chris, to work hard. <laughs> when dumb. you work really hard, <laughs> and then you look at other people who don't work hard, and they're getting over, <laughs> and not only that, but people are going, oh, how can I help you? How yeah. can I help the guy who's not working as hard? Yeah. And every once in a while, somebody will say to the guy who's working hard, oh, he loves to work this one. This yeah. one, yeah, he loves it. Yeah, I guess, like, no, I'm going to go to Al-Qaeda and sell Oxycontin. I'm going to fucking start that initiative. Again, it's about to why do you do what you do. <laughs> and obviously, if you're a content guy, you're not, the Flash guys aren't going to be able to fucking understand you. No, they won't care. This won't even matter. Um, let's go over here to Robert with a somewhat of a story. Hey, Robert. Hey, Ron. Yeah, I'm um, from a little small town here in Florida, close to a big town. And I think it's all about people wanting a free paycheck. I'll try to be brief with what happened to me. Two years ago, I had a kid. He was 19 years old, high on oxycontin, broke into my house. And when I came out of my bedroom, you know, he took a shot at me. So, of course, me being a responsible person, I shot and killed him. Well, the police down here cleared me of all charges, but the family sued me for wrongful death. Uh, check this out. 
on the potential of what their son could have became. So I chose a jury trial. The, the trial lasted five hours, and I was acquitted of all charges. Yet to this day, everybody from that family will come and, like, break my windows out, spray paint my car, and all that kind of stuff. And it's everybody just wanting a free paycheck. Mm. But during the trial, they never really cared about their son. They were just wanting to know, they wanted me to pay them for what his son, their son, could have became. So it's all about a, it's all about a free paycheck. It so, does come about quick money. And yeah. what a... Horrible fucking thing you went through. What town is that that you live in in Florida? Um, it's close to Tampa. Okay. It's, uh, um, you know, Polk County. Right. But, um, you know, it's just weird how, you know, the Polk County Sheriff cleared me of all charges. I, you know, they booked me. I, I spent, you know, 12 hours in, you know, the holding cell. But they released me that night, and they said that, that, that it was a clean, you know, a clean deal. But... Going, you know, I spent close to a hundred thousand dollars going through this stupid trial from the family, and they, you know, it's just you know how people are, you know, here. It's Absolutely, trash, and it's almost like they won't stop because they don't care. It's almost like you know, I want mine, I want mine, and they still come around. And, it, it, you know, and I'm not getting when I say this. It's a very Hatfield and McCoy's fucking mentality. And it goes on as persuasive, and they get an idea in their head. Thanks for uh, calling, Robert. But, you know, let's go back to this money thing. Now, the American dream is somehow to get very fucking wealthy. Get loaded. Get loaded. You know, do all this thing. But I can honestly tell you that I never heard my dad talk about getting rich someday i never heard my friends dads talk about getting rich someday they were like their kind of goals were to earn money hold the family down keep the family together what are you guys up to what are you guys doing you're gonna play ball this year <laughs> you know there what i don't remember anyone ever really Talking about this wealth thing and fame until too. sometime, yeah, wealth and fame, which have now taken over completely. Uh, I kind of feel like that seed started in the eighties somewhere, but never on the fucking scale that it is now. And what's really weird is like you can go back and watch movies from the seventies or eighties where they'll talk about the stress of hype. And the fact that TV is shooting. And, man, we're like a million fold above that now. It's amazing how everybody you run into, their idea is some kind of a weird get-rich-quick thing. Yeah, Who did they get that from? When did that become the American dream? What kind of gimmick can I run to make quick money? And certainly what was this whole thing about becoming uh, famous? Reality, t- I don't know. I don't reality know. TV shows, the fuck everyone says, but I mean, now that there are so many reality TV shows, and even like a con, there's a fucking TV shows about contractors. Mm-hmm. Who, if you if you're a contractor with someone of a personality or someone of a character, oh, so like even TV if you show. have a regular job yeah. now, you still think that should turn into a TV show, there's, and you should be cake boss. There's fucking shows of guys just selling aquariums, and everyone <laughs> has a camera. That. Where is that on? I think uh, Learning's channel. Um. Let's go over to um, 
Hey, let's go over to Todd in Harrisburg. You're running first. Yeah, you couldn't be more right, Ronnie. Uh, I was just going to say the same thing, that it's to get rich quick, uh, you know, play the lottery and win every night, or, uh, you know, get on a TV show, you know, American Idol type thing, and that whole mentality, you know, people want it and they want it now. It's like fast food nation type thing. And if they don't get what they feel they deserve overnight, then their their emotions also go from zero to a hundred in a, in a split second, and they get angry and violent if they don't get what they see everybody else getting on TV. And it's and, weird uh, because uh, it can happen to any of us at any time. Like you can just be cruising along, and then hear some story, and you're like, "Where the fuck is mine? Wait a minute, <laughs> yeah. what, can this happen what to happened me? to mine? The I fuck? should I mean, be." I I don't want to blame uh, things like TV and video games and shit, but you can't ignore the fact that, you know, those type of things are, are training kids to pick up a gun rather than, you know, wait for a proper resolve or, or talk things out. I mean, you know, when the military uses video games as a simulation, what's the difference between that and a kid picking up a gun at an arcade or, frankly, in his own living room and killing people by the thousands? I mean, that, that does a thing to a kid's psyche when that's what he feels is the only way to resolve something is to blow the guy away, and there's no body left. It just dissolves into the ground, and there's no uh, consequences. I mean, that, that all goes hand in hand. You know, we always get back to uh, blaming uh, the Internet, video games, uh, and television. Yeah. We don't live without them. I mean, I've heard TV blamed on everything since the fucking day I was born. And I don't run into people who don't go, I don't watch. Uh, people say they don't watch TV, then they're downloading shit on their computer. I'm talking to your generation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just Hulu it up and just watch whatever TV shows you want. Um, where's Catholic Sam? Because I heard her say, send me in Catholic Sam. Catholic Sam, please. I'm trying to think of, uh, of a conversation that I had with her the other day. It was about somebody... Demanding something free. And I want to get to um, the bottom of it. Catholic Sam, come on over. Do you remember what you and I were talking about last week when somebody, they we either wanted something free from a store and you were saying that the store should have just given it to them? Oh, yes. Um, wasn't that with the hotel? Okay, yeah. All right, so it's a hotel. What was exactly the... Someone in a hotel, a little girl, climbed into a bed and was stuck with a hypodermic needle. Right. And the hotel's PR people, or whoever they were, were speaking out saying the family put the needles there themselves. Right. And they were just trying to get a free night from the hotel. All right. So what the, the hotel believed is that the family checked into a hotel, brought a hypodermic needle, gave themselves a, a jab... And that was it. Yeah. So Sam, who goes to college, said, and she's laughing, and she says, this hotel is stupid. They should have just paid yeah. off the family immediately and been done with it. So, and this is something you learned in school from well, a PR kind of a point I of view? I mean, we like, learn about certain PR yeah. theories Tactics. and stuff in class. But you let yourself even get burnt like that on a smaller level because of how big it should be. How big it could get. Right, So, yeah. like, instead of, like, 
right, we're going to lose $90, but it's worth... Worth the hundreds of dollars you could lose from yeah. people not checking into your hotel because these people are telling people they were stuck with hypodermic yeah. needles. Just give the people a few nights free and let them stop talking about it. But even if you, in your heart of hearts, believe that these are crooks attempting to run a gimmick on your hotel, you yes. would still pay them off. Yes. And see, that's the strange thing that we live in today, that doing right can hurt. Yeah. And what Sam is saying that she's learned and figured out and believes in is when, you're, when you've got something like this come up, pay it off while it's still cheap enough. You know, if somebody shows up, because uh, this happens all the time in restaurants where people bring a bug in oh, yeah, yeah. with them. Um, and the weird thing is, uh, I worked in hotels when I was younger, and if somebody would have pulled that stuff with us, we'll say, well, we're going to hit you with a stick until you're fucking dead. But that was a whole different mentality. Different but I really do think what Sam is saying is exactly where we are today. But what's weird is that also sets up a generation of people who thinks if you don't do the slip and fall, right? Yeah. You are somehow stupid. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Why? This guy's getting over and making some quick cash. Why should I be doing it? I have a relative who the only job I've never, ever known him to have is a bad back. That's it. <laughs> Just one some kind of bad back. One suit after one another. One after another. And actually, he had an uncle who had a very bad back for oh, many, many fuck. different trials. Oh, my God. Um, I couldn't pay him off, Sam. To this day, I could not pay him yeah. off. I'm not saying you're not smarter than no, me. No, and then even I work a waitress yeah. at a restaurant, and even if a table comes and says, oh, there's like a hair in something, yeah. even if their hair is that color and it probably is their own yeah. that fell into the food, they get something for free. Right. Uh, by the way, people treat waitstaff horrible. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> I, I don't, I oh, don't understand the mentality of people who feel like they're above other Americans who work in the service industry. I say this all the time. It's not hard for someone to just be commonly courteous. It's not like a difficult thing. And yet we've lost that. All right, let's go over to Kevin in Houston. You're on a fez. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, here's the thing, though, Samantha, and I, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and say that your school's stupid, but that it is. Because that family, even if that was true, which I highly doubt it, just trying to pay somebody to make it go away doesn't make it go away. It tells that person, hey, you know what? I got, a, I got away with this once. Now let me empty any. I'm going to try it again. I used to own a bar, and I, if I had people that would come in and would bitch about something. If they had a legitimate complaint, I would completely understand that. But when somebody is trying to scam you, you need to tell them, no, go fuck yourself. Now, that, now that makes sense, I think. But when you get to the corporate level, let's suppose it's a chain, okay? And I'm, this did not happen at Hampton then, but I'll just say that. That one deal, once it makes the newspaper, i.e. internet, oh, yeah. Sam's point of view is, this has now become... Thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in negative publicity. And where does a hotel chain say, you know, one thing to be right, another thing to worry about our bottom line? 
this might sound like a bullshit story, but I know of a department store in a smaller town that does not tells their uh, employees you cannot go after shoplifters because they've decided it's worse publicity to sit there and bust shoplifters than it is to just let it get away with it. Yeah, let them get away with Couple it. Pieces of clothing. It's very, very weird. It's very, very strange. Well, um, what if, let, like, the hotel, like, if the people wanted the maid, the housekeeper fired? I mean, would you still go along with that? Well, in, in the case of this, it, it became about money. Uh, and that's the, you know, the way it went down. Nobody asked for anybody to be uh, fired. Uh, Aaron, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Ronnie B. Hey, uh, I think it's more of an issue of self-worth, not people trying to get rich or get a free paycheck. This has been seen, Native Americans being pushed onto reservations. In Australia, the Aborigines, uh, the pygmies in the Himalayans, a great story. One of the most ridiculous stories I've ever heard is a group of pygmies who are basically uh, pushed up the mountains fighting Mongolians their whole life. And this group, this community, basically commit mass suicide because it was uh, taught to be that they weren't strong enough to fight off these people and they weren't uh, you know, good enough to continue to be alive. And so I kind of see a little bit of that in these small communities where people can't get jobs. Their self-worth is zero, and it's almost like they're committing mass suicide. It's an interesting point that, you know, I had a, uh, a friend of mine who was a therapist who gave me this, you are not your job speech, right? Yeah. And i like, well, I can understand how you would say that, except for the case of my job. Because this is exactly who I am, and this is what I would be doing even if I didn't work. And what she said to me is everybody tries to make examples of that. But when you are out of work, it's fucking tough to feel good. It, feels it really shitty. is. It feels terrible. It's just fucking just worry, really. It's fucked up. It really, yeah. It really is a rough thing. And when you get a town that isn't working, instead of, like, picking people up, you know that they all just like, you know who it is. It's the fucking, you know. And that's how you kind of get anti-almost everything, <laughs> no matter what it is, because you're looking to put that blame out there. Uh, Robert, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, hey, Ron. I, uh, you know, I think part of the problem, and I, I agree about your uh, the work ethic thing. I, I think that's a, a huge issue. But I think, uh, you know, so many fewer people self-identify in, in surveys these days as, as being religious. And I think that's good for the individual. I mean, I think that builds better individuals. But as communities, I'm not so sure that that's really healthy. And, and I, I think we're, we're sort of losing a, kind of a community moral compass uh, these days. And you think that the religion has taken away our moral compass? No, I, I think the, I think the lack of having any sort of cohesive religious uh, right. affiliations in our communities is, is sort of letting people just wander, and you don't have that sense of not just your self worth, but the other person's self worth. I, I, I think we're sort of losing a, but, our way. I, and I would agree with that. But you know what? One of the reasons is is that so many of those churches got abusive. Uh, so many of these churches have are, are running like a corporation where the guy at the top is making big money and everybody else is asked to give. Yeah. 
It's fucking embarrassing. I mean, honestly, should any minister be making six figures? It seems insane to me. The fucking megachurch guys are fucking millionaires. They're ridiculously loaded. We ran that story the other day yeah. of one of those megachurch guys, and his house looked like... It's a fucking giant mansion. And seriously, and it was a stupid mansion, like a Mike Tyson mansion. <laughs> Where I think his pool was looked like a Bible or a cross or something. It was just ridiculous. Um, let's go over to Adam. Adam, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Uh, one thing that I uh, that I see is a little bit is you know, generation after generation, you always want your kids to do better. Mm -hmm. You always want your kids to have a better life, and and I think that's maybe a bit naive to think that your kid's going to have a better life. And and uh, as far as American corporations go, you know, like I used to, uh, I worked at the engine plant, uh, you know, for planes up in Connecticut, right? Yeah. They were completely self-sufficient. They had all their own locksmiths, all their own construction people, right? And they had, and they're all unionized, which was great at the time. Right. But now. Everything is being, and it's a trickle down. Every, you know, it's little things here and there that are getting pushed away that are no longer being done internally, where they're contracted out. So now that's how I got a job, and 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 it's happening all over the place. The other day they were talking about the airports. Now that United, the only way that they could, could get back was that they couldn't do the maintenance; they had to contract it out. Now we have uh, Chinese uh, companies doing maintenance on planes and stuff. You know, but we but we all let this happen. It was small little things. You had a really good job at the factory making good money. You kept getting raises. You kept getting raises. You know what I mean? So you right. get a little stagnant. And uh, you don't want to work as hard. All right, thanks. Uh eight six six run zero fez. Eight six six run zero fez. Here's David. David, you're on the run fez show. Hey, yeah. Yeah, I was questioning to take uh, Sam Hat on a hotel being stupid for not uh, uh, paying off the uh, guests. What if they were looking for a larger payday? What if they were uh, looking to maybe cash in on a uh, on a liability issue where if the hotel did pay, they'd be uh, tacitly admitting liability, which would lead to, uh, you know... Uh, I'll let Sam say that. So, Sam, his point was, if you say, oh, we're sorry you got stabbed in the uh, back with this AIDS hypodermic needle that you brought in yourself, uh, if that's going to just set them up to have to pay these people off. Well, was he saying that the, peop the hotel would have to pay the people? Yeah, in other words, by you giving them the room, you're just saying it was our fault. And Yeah, that's a good point, and I think that's always a risk, but depending on the kind of people that you're dealing with who are going to bring the hypodermic needle in themselves to yeah. get the free room, are they going to go that far? Are they going to even think ahead that far? You're already thinking that they're low rent, and you would pay off the low rent scams all the time. Most of the time. I think you would have to go scam by scam. Wow. See, this, what school do you go to? I go to Syracuse. All right, in Syracuse, they teach you to settle. It's one of the things that they teach there. See how quickly and for how little you can settle. Just get yourself out of this. Yeah. I would do so bad in this thing because my own ego would be involved in it. And I know I'd end up stabbing a family with a hypodermic needle. In the eye. <clears throat> oh, where else are you going to stab them? And then I'd be yelling, where's your money now, fucker, while they were screaming. And that would be probably one of the family members would YouTube it, and we'd all be in trouble.
It wouldn't work out so good. World Star Hip Hop. Uh, yeah, it would end up on World Star Hip Hop. This is me stabbing the family with a hypodermic needle. Um, Tommy, you're on running Fez. Hey, I, I think the biggest problem with society is that there's been a loss of individuality and dignity. And I think that it's all stemmed. I think there's been uh, many factors that have uh, been deleterious to these two things. Uh, but the, the main one is the replacement of morality with legality. I think that as we've been replacing the individual ability to express nor, uh, uh, express right and wrong and to express your own sense of what, how you feel about things in your everyday life, um, with with more of having to follow the same laws that everybody else. But, but can I tell you it really something? Feels a fundamental amount of our dignity. And I, I, really I think does. it's great that you're reading something back in a book, but I don't see a lack of people that look like they don't care about their individuality. All I see is a lot of people who care so much about being individuals that they feel that they can uh, drive along and merge uh, at right before the fucking bridge, oh, unlike yeah. everybody else. No, they don't have time I, to wait. I see a lot of people who at Disney World are ready to push their way in front and stand in front of children when the electrical light parade goes on by because not thinking, hey, I'm part of something bigger than myself. I'm part of a society. Hell no. no. I see a lot of people who just think for somehow they got to get theirs and get theirs right now. And that theirs is more important than anyone else. If you see the way people scream at each other in cars, calling someone's grandmother a fucking... You know, uh, I'm not going to say it now because young Sam's here. But no, it's... by the way, I would like to get Sam with Sam and do the Sam and Sam show. That's perfect. Would you be willing to do I that? I met Sam this morning. Yeah. Yeah, it was coincidental because he was like, oh, what's your name? And I was like, oh, I'm also Sam. But you know easy. what I worry about? He just got married and I'm worried that you two are going to have an affair. And that's going to destroy that, that marriage. Yeah, oh. see, I wouldn't do that. But there, he's already trying. If it gets destroyed that quickly, does it uh, qualify for an annulment? Yeah, oh, it right. would, in my opinion. Yeah. Definitely. And here's the thing about Sam. Not you, Sam, but Sam, Sam. Sam, Sam. When he wants something, he gets it. And he is a persuader. It's like a rattlesnake. He is a strong persuader. Um, hey, Sal, you're on Run of Fez. Go ahead, buddy. Hey. Ryan, talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. You're the only one I'm here. Fine. I'm talking to you. Okay, well, listen, Ron. Everybody's trying to look to see where we could blame this whole problem on. But everybody is individually greedy. We all want more. The companies want more. The people want more. And that's all the basic problem. This whole thing is our own greed. Everybody wants more. I agree. You know, so if we start looking at ourselves, if I stop being so greedy and I can start, I can only fix myself. I can only start with myself. Then when, you know, I, we, could, we could go from there. Maybe I could teach my children not to be so greedy. You know, even the people on welfare, they're greedy. They're getting, uh, they're getting a year's worth of welfare now. I can go for two. It, it, it's all the same problem. Both issues you've been talking about. Uh, both both segments all tie into each other. The, the family is greedy. They want the room for nothing. The hotel is greedy. They want more people to come in. They'd rather pay them more. It's all the same. It's, it's all the same thing. It's all coming to a head. It's all our greed. It's weird because we have a capitalistic society 
and it, you know, when it's only about money, it's kind of disgusting. When your only motivation is money, it's disgusting. When somebody is in a business, but they don't care about anything but money, you know you whatever business it is, is <coughs> sucks. <coughs> you know? Yeah, nothing, nothing else matters, and it's fucked. Well, you look so down these days. It's just, it's Yesterday, you, could, you barely could be in a meeting with Rob Cross. <laughs> oh, and what Fez brought up to Rob. I got to go and talk to Rob about that today. Oh, boy. Mentioning Bob's name again. Oh, if I see that guy, I hope he's floating. That's the next time I want to see that fucker. It's bloated. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking blue. And I just want to pull a sheet back and go like this. Yes, officer, that's him. Uh, he's kind of bloated, and I see that his face has been damaged, and it looks like rats have been eating at him, but that is him. I can never forget that face. Ron, in Chicago, there's a thing. Um, all right, well, Sam, I really do like the fact that you came in. From another point of view, you gave us the Syracuse Settle which I think should make it into the Urban Dictionary. Right. <laughs> uh, by the way, and I'm very excited about this, my kaka, our friend from Molly's, inventor of the Ron Bennington Cupcake, has a term in the Urban Dictionary. They've tried at it long enough, hard enough, and it's made it into the Urban Dictionary. Oh, my, my God! I don't know whether we should all call him and say congratulations. <laughs> no, we can't. Fun. Yeah, we can't do that again. Um, the phrase? What is it? Far away fox. And that's when you're walking and you see a girl who you think is attractive, but when you get closer, she's not. She is the far away fox. There it is. Urban Dictionary. No, do they give him credit? No, no, no credit given to. Can you God. add something to it at all? Let's see. If there's any way for you to hmm. add anything, it might be fun. Let's see. Edit. <laughs> so if you get the chance, get it to Syracuse. Be like, she's such an aw a faraway fox. I want you when you're in the beer garden in Astoria. Okay, check out that faraway fox dog. Well, you don't say it that way. <laughs> See, the point is, it's, an, it's a disappointment that she's a faraway fox. It's not a happy thing. All right. Oh, man. She got that faraway fox dog. Just stop saying dog with it. Stay with our fucking stuff. It's like, oh, I thought she was great, right. but she was a faraway fox. Oh, man. She was a faraway fox, though. It could have been a lot better. This blows. I'm gonna get some more drinks. I don't talk after. Oh, the, you okay. Know, all right. Okay. Just uh, you know, let and, it, and not far away. Yeah, fox. and right. not far away. Fox. Okay. I mean, you don't want to add a sentence after a joke. <laughs> Sam, how's your boyfriend doing? He's good. What's he doing this summer? He's working as a, a page in DC. Um, he's interning with the Nationals, doing really play oh, third base. <laughs> <laughs> With the broadcasting team? Uh, yeah. Mm, that's so. a nice gig. Hell yeah. yeah, he actually so he, just found out like this morning. Does he so. travel with them? Does he go on the road with them? No. It would be all based out of DC. Does so. he juice? You don't need to juice. Is he going to cycle right now? 
No. Oh, there's something called a Syracuse corn dog. Was somebody at our window trying to reach our guy? I saw that little window over there. That somebody was trying to ask him some questions. Oh, that guy. What's he want? I don't know. It's perplexing. Snap his neck like a breadstick. <laughs> Take a fucking hypodermic <laughs> needle to his eyeballs. I might just start and travel with needles. <laughs> All right, you can thumb up his far away fox. Okay. And I want to try to use it as much as you want. Thumbs up. Uh, here's George in Blo in in Austin. Yo, man, uh, we don't call far away foxes, bro. We call them blockers. They only look good from a block away. One word. That's stupid. Uh -uh. That's no, stupid. Blockers, blockers is stupid. Brother. Then everyone's going to blockers should be your blue blockers. That's so right. So drop that. Start using far away fox. Far away fox is the new shit. Uh, I mean, blockers sounds like an offensive lineman to me. <laughs> uh, Paul, you're on my face. Hey, the old thing for far away fox was five from afar. But up close, she's four five. Oh, that's that's stupid. It's too much. Far away fox is the way to go. That's it. That's the one. I hope he makes a uh, a cupcake, a far away fox cupcake. It's a cupcake that looks good. Yeah. Until you, until it gets closer, you find out it's got a hypodermic needle. <laughs> oh, in it. oh it's cupcakes all needly. <laughs> too aidsy. <laughs> Can I get something else? This is too aidsy. Ow! I can't chew the needles. Hold on, I'm gonna call that. My new album, Can't Chew the Needles. It's pretty fucking dope, actually. Yeah. And then if my band was called The Needles, and I Can't Chew the Needles would be, there you, you know, it works two ways. Hell yeah. Um, Gus, you're on the Run of Fez show. Gus. Hello? Lost Hello? you, buddy. Um, Hello? Oh, you there? Yep, I'm here. Yeah. How you doing? I'm fantastic. Uh, there's 175 scams, boys, for uh, that women pull off on men. The faraway fox, otherwise known as Blockamore, a woman that looks good from a block or more away. But there really is 175 other scams that they pull. For example, both stands for B-O-T-H, back of the head scam, mm. side of the face. I mean, I can go on and on, but the worst one is uh, the DRM scam. Do you want to take a guess of what that is? No, I tell me. Tell yeah. That's when you're uh, dating a girl for uh, quite some time. Things are moving a little slow. Finally, you get into her uh, apartment. You start making out with her, and she starts breaking down and crying. Mm. What the hell is wrong? She tells you that when she was young, her daddy raped me. Scam. Why is that a scam? Why is that a scam? Because that, that should be on the prologue before you even start dating. You need to get, you need to know what you're walking into. Am I right? Oh, I didn't even think. I didn't think uh, before. You know what? Let's go over this. Was there any abuse? I just, because of we live in America, I just assume a, a childhood abuse when I meet girls. I just go, what age? And it ain't going to happen now. So everything's all right. Maybe, hey, now. I'm here. It's fun right? It's fun. I'm here. Nobody's going to hurt you. Everything's cool. Name tags would help him. Hello, I'm a rape victim, and my name is... There's 18 different pantomimes that they can do to lie to you. Women have 23, men have 18. I'm just making up those things because I don't know the actual fucking... Whole. You know what? I wish I just had the quotes. Oh, I'm going to look it up. 
Sam, I don't want you to even feel like you look like you're crushed right now, like the child molestation thing came up while you were here. Nobody's judging you. No one's going to ask you. This is a safe environment. All right? Plus, you're being paid off by being sent to Syracuse. Guy's got 17. Woman's got 20. The guy's got 17. A woman's got 20. Pantomimes. What did I say? 23? Yeah. I look like That's idiot. close! I'll stick this in my No, eye. don't! What are you saying that for? So why don't you stare yourself in the eye? You worry about me, don't you? Of course. You wake up in the morning and go, I hope Ron's okay? Yeah. I say, I like that. Everything's going great. That's the way Fez used to be before he started hating me. Now he gets his... He's written, writing a book called Passive Aggressive. How to fucking put one in Ron. That is passive. I love you. Sure you do. You love me the way I fucking, like the Japanese, love the American prisoners when they were torturing them. No. I look at this fucking guy, I see the commander from Bridge Over River Kwai. That's all I see. That's fucked up. Sam, I want you to meet a friend of mine. His name is High Rock Johnny. Hey, Johnny. Hello, boys. Yeah, hello. I love, I love the Faraway Fox thing. I, and I've been trying to come up with a name for something for a long time. Yeah. You're, you're driving in your car, and you see, like, a nice sports car, nice, you know, like a blonde driving it, and you catch up to it, and you look over, and it's like a 60-year-old woman. I've been trying to rack my brains for a long time. Now, Faraway Fox could work for that, but um, I, I'm just, you know, you know, everyone's been in that position. where you Why don't you just call it what you want to call it, jackpot? <laughs> Grandma Jackpot. Hell yeah. <laughs> Why, Johnny, what are you saying the oldest should be with? Well, I, I mean, at this point, 41, because that's what my wife is, but, you know. Oh, it, so you're saying you would never have an affair? No. Except no, for no, when I'm you go to England, you do. Uh, well, it's a different country, so right, that doesn't exactly. matter. So in that's England, it would, be, it would be mid-50s, probably. Right. So I'm going to be 40. At the end of the month, I'm going to be 40. So I'm getting, you know... Johnny believes there. that if you could drive on the other side of the road, then you can't have an affair there. <laughs> Wherever <laughs> right. that is. That means all laws are off. <laughs> right. I mean, why would, why would, you know, if our rules don't count there, I mean, it's not, it's not cheating. All right, Johnny. All right, boys. Hey, Johnny, what do you do if somebody says... Oh, I found this something in my food. Do you believe them? Or do you think, oh, it's Scam City. They finished most of their food. Now they're trying to pull this off. Well, you know, we, we tend to believe people and uh, take them at, at face value for it. Sam is right. You know, it's, uh, it's a tough decision. Though, sometimes. It is. I wouldn't be able to do it. I would there never are. believe them. Yeah, there's people who do it. We, uh, you know, listen, we get letters and emails and voicemails all the time from people who are, you know, have, didn't enjoy an experience and we take them all as serious as, you know, the next and evaluate them as best we could. But we I saw somebody who was work. over at the Hard Rock one day and somebody was claiming that Elvis's pants were his <laughs> and he was trying to take them off. He goes, those were his pants. He just left them there because he was drunk. I'm like, Johnny, don't give that man that pants. Look at the seaming there. That's completely Elvis's. <laughs> I remember that day. Yeah. It was crazy. All right, Johnny. All right, boys. Bye. See ya. You know, we got into this, do people think they're good or not? It takes you back to the gay kids dancing and singing that they're horrible, yet they all think they're little divas. Oh, definitely. I mean, this kid is terrible. Is he even gay or is he retarded? The title is Gay Boy Dances to Nicki Minaj. Thank, thank 
But that isn't dancing. That's retardation. He looks like he's been huffing paint. He's really losing his Just a different kind of dancing. He's twerking his ass out. You honestly don't think this kid's acting retarded? I swear to God, he looks like he's been literally fucking snorting gasoline. Humping a giant ball. There's a uh, piece up right now. I'm glad we had the back and forth. It gives us a chance to each hear each other out, and then you know we decide, we agree to disagree. Uh, the kid who was getting a rush from root beer. See, I happen to believe this: that addicts are born, and I can spell. I can spot a little kid. Who's got an addictive personality? One of the kids, you ever see the kid who spins around a lot and loves yeah, to feel dizzy? I love that shit. That kid's gonna get it high later. That kid's gonna love. He's gonna go to fish shows. Hell he's yeah. gonna go like this. I don't f remember. I ate some kind of pill, but don't worry. I got it from a stranger. It's okay. Yeah. Look at the way this kid gets off his root beer rush. Enjoying the taste of root beer. That's a rush. <laughs> Kid loves it. Yeah. <laughs> that's straight rush. You're loving it. Way to start chasing the dragon. <laughs> that He's got that look in his eye. That kid's ready to chop rails right now. He's got the look. He's got the feeling. He can't stop. Good for Sam, him. you stay away from the drugs, right? Yes, I do. No, don't even like weed? No. Never I've even tried never it? tried it. How about drinking? Every once in a while. Are you old enough to drink? No. How old are you? I'm 19. Okay. Fuck. And, you're, and you're, your plan is to never take drugs? No. Catholic Sam, I'm proud of you. Boyfriend's the same way? Same way. Nice. See a Catholic boy too? No, he's Jewish. Oh, oh, boy! boy. They killed our Lord. They dimed him out. You ever? You read the Catholic Bible, right? I have. Yeah. I took scripture. Well, remember the part where it says "never be with a Jew." I hold that sacred. It's the most important part. Wait, was that in the Bible or did my mom say that? One of them. I can't remember which. <laughs> but with well, the one I listened to. That's, you're a nice young lady. You really are. Thank you. I think she's going to go far. Or are you going to be one of those girls, the second you get married, you stop thinking no. of a career? No, I've never been like that. And I think I should have a career, especially because um, when I was in eighth grade, my uh -huh. dad lost his job. And my mom had not gone to college and right. didn't. And she couldn't really do anything to help our situation uh -huh. at the time. So, I, just as like a safety right. guard, too, in case anything did ever happen, I would want to have a career. Now, here's the thing. You want to work in broadcasting, right? I do. Here's your biggest problem for radio. You've got TV eyes. You should be on television. <laughs> she has the kind of eyes people see on TV and they trust. Where Hicks, yeah. he's see how he's got those ugly little pinpricks? It almost oh, looks like a dog gorgeous. has peed in the snow. Mm. That's why he should never be on that's TV. That's the hepatitis. That's yellow. 
he looks like somebody who would is putting together a ransom note piece by piece. I sh yeah, I should be in a fucking shack somewhere <laughs> in the fucking woods. But you've got TV eyes. Well, I'm not counting out TV yet. I'm still young. Ugh, those eyes of his. Like that? Mm -mm. <laughs> they look like looking into a cave of doom. Yeah, that's that's the look I'm going for. <laughs> Your eyes, honestly. Yeah. And uh, it looks like where love goes to die. It looks like <laughs> that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> it it looks like promises have caught a disease oh. and have gotten stuck inside these awful little pits of yours. Happens, I guess. Ugh. Yeah. Just frightening. I guess that could be a good thing in some cases. <clears throat> Not sure which ones, though. You're Sometimes when you look like that, like when you look concerned, yeah. it reminds me of that same thing that melted the faces off of everybody in Indiana Jones. You look like you should be coming out of an ancient... Nazi fucking... Yeah, like a tomb... Bringing doom along with you. Nothing good follows, usually. No. No. Uh, we got search, search, hurry up, and search coming up very, very soon. Forgot to plug that today. We're on top of the though. Search, search, hurry up, the, and search. I'll say this. We're going to play before one thirty today. One thirty today. What a prize we've got uh, on the line. Uh, today. Hmm. What's today's uh, prize? Oh! Leave Home, signed by Tommy Ramone. That's fucking cool. Tommy Ramone signed this. Goddamn Ramone. One of the original Ramones. The other original Ramones? Me and two other guys. You were in the you were in original Ramone? No, isn't the original Raymonds. Oh. We didn't do too well. We um, were a jazz fusion group. Wow. Uh, mixed in with some classical. Guys, fucking, how many shows you guys play? None. What didn't play it? any. We didn't have instruments. All right. How'd you make the jazz? How'd you fuse the jazz then? Uh, well, <laughs> basically, I just came up with the name, The Raymonds. I wrote it on my notebook, and I lied to a couple girls that I was in a band. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, and then I also did it on my arm and lied and said it was a tattoo. You got any ink, uh, Sam? I don't. You want to? Not really. I've never really had a desire to mm. have a tattoo. I have a few friends that have them, and it's just like I've never wanted something really permanently anywhere. So Why don't you get a thing that says this? Don't look at my tattoo, look at my eyes, and they'll bring them back to your TV eyes. It's true. It's a decent idea. Oh, I just caught, I just looked directly into Hicks's eyes, well, and I felt like my energy was being pulled down, like my life force itself sort of like was a being sucked out of me. <laughs> I need to feed. Uh, Sean, you're on the Run of Fed show. Hey, Ronnie. The whole faraway fox thing was actually an old Wayne's World bit during uh, Desert Storm. What? Where they were using Desert Storm terminology to describe stuff in normal life, and they used the word scud to describe a woman that looks hot at a faraway distance, but up close is ugly. Yeah, but they didn't use the term faraway fox. 
No, but they use oh, them. So it's not, yeah, it's not, not the, the same, same thing. thing. What kind of shit are you talking, buddy? Yeah. Look, at fucking Urban Dictionary. Should stum the fuck up. It's like when Hicks started uh, calling pot trees. Yeah, we could say, oh, you didn't make that up. That's always been called pot. But he's calling it trees. Yeah, hey, smoke some tree. Come on, you guys want to smoke some trees? Burn one. Come on, burn one down with me. Come on. I know plenty of kids are getting high in Syracuse, Sam. Don't you fucking look down. No, they Please. do. She's 19. Yeah. And she's doing very, very well and never talk her into doing anything wrong. I'm not talking she's her into anything. She's going to be. I just, I just know there's kids up there getting high. First of all, that's because they're Jewish kids. <laughs> there's so many Jews up there. It must drive you crazy, huh? Oh, there. That's probably the most concentration of uh, Jewish people I've ever met. Outside of Tel Aviv. Is that outside of Tel Aviv? Um, well, I've never been there, mm. so. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotten very Jewish. Mm -hmm. Very. Oh, yeah. Did I tell you where it's getting really black these days, still? Where's that? Africa. I mean, I went over there and I couldn't believe it. It's, it's always getting so black. I think it's always been pretty black in Africa. You know, they shut down the train station, right? <laughs> they actually have a train station? <laughs> well, it's not there anymore. <laughs> Um, by the way, never stop in a car and say to someone, excuse me, can you tell me where the black mall is? Because they find that offensive. Eesh. And I'll go, oh, the mall that doesn't have a lot of stores, but does have that one big table filled with shoes. Where's that mall? I always like that mall. Sure. You can go in there with 10 bucks and feel like a baller. Hell yeah. Just find some cool shit. But one thing they still do have is an Orange Julius. Love Orange Julius. Everything else would be in trouble, <laughs> but you got an Orange Julius. Delicious. Uh, we got a break here. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to some stuff when we come back, including playing Search, Search, Hurry Up and Search. Today, uh, the Buddy Guy interview is up on the... Uh, in Terrebang. And uh, we had a winner last night at 9 o'clock. Every night at 9 o'clock, go to the iBang, and you can play Search, Search, Hurry Up and Search. Uh, we'll be right back. Run Fez Show. She's my woman of gold. She's not very old, uh -huh.
the Ron and Fez show on a Tuesday. What kind of Tuesday? Tuesday booze day. It's a day of booze. Yeah, getting just whacked. Hicks believes drinking on every single day. Yeah. Except for New Year's Eve and St. Patrick's Day. He refuses. Fucking amateur hour, dude. <laughs> uh, we've got a piece up on the iBang, theiBang.com, which, by the way, we're going to be playing Surge, Surge, Hurry Up and Surge within 35 minutes and again at 9 p.m. tonight. There you go. Sign Ramon stuff uh, coming up within 35 minutes. But uh, we've got a piece up there of... Guys who attempt to just hold hands with strangers. And I had read this before, that Americans need more personal space than any other uh, people from other countries. Uh, In other countries, they can sit closer than we can. They can talk closer than we can. They can put their hands on each other. No one seems to uh, uh, bother with it. Uh, it's also easier for them to sleep closer to one another. So in the youth hostels uh, around Europe, it'll just be big rooms with beds in it, and they're very comfortable just to go in and sleep next to another person. It's a complete stranger, right? Higgs, can you sit right directly next to somebody in a movie theater? I I've, I can, but I feel uncomfortable, and mm-hmm. I always prefer to fucking be... You know, have fucking seats on the side open. Uh, what about this? You're on the train. You're standing on a pole. Somebody gets up. There's one chair open that you can slide into. Yeah. Do you stand up or try to slide into that seat? Stand up. I'd rather not uh, <laughs> have people fucking on top Just, of It's me. touching. Yeah. People touching bothers yeah. you. Yeah. Could you, even with a buddy, walk down the street holding hands? What the fuck? No. Why? That's just creepy. I don't want to hold my buddy's hand. What's so creepy about it? I don't. I feel like I. I, That would. It's something that would never cross my mind. The physical contact with another man. I wouldn't feel comfortable. We understand that it's not sexual. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It's just you and your friend. And let's say this doesn't have to be here. You can walk down the street in Oakland. Yeah. Nobody knows you. You're just two fellas walking down the street. You just happen to be holding hands. Oh, Could you do it? No. Only way I'm holding another guy's hand is if he's shot or he's fucking dying. It's <laughs> the only way I'm holding another dude's hand. I didn't even think of that, but then you would be like, hey, dude. We're going to make it, man. Don't but, worry. I don't know. I'm pretty shut up. Don't talk like that. We're going to get through this. My guts are hanging out. No, don't look down. It's fine. I always wanted to make out with you, Hicks. I, what? I wish we had a chance to hold hands more. <laughs> um, that is a weird thing when you think about it. That two guys cannot hold hands. Uh-uh. What about and, just like the arm around each other? Have even? you ever done that? Um, very rarely. Have you ever walked down the street with your arm around each other? No. I no. know I never have. No. But the only time I put the arm around, and by the way, we give up tons of personal space, is for a picture. And then we're all it's in like, here, arms around each other. We're best friends. And I'm like, well, this is weird because I don't even do this with my own family members. <laughs> and here I am. Uh, arms around the guys from Sniffing the Tears. 
Um, here's Dylan. Dylan, you're on the Run and Fez show. Oh, hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. Uh, I'm a soldier. I just got back from Afghanistan, and uh, we see that all the time with the Afghani people. And you're actually supposed to show your trust with them by not only shaking their hand, but when they're comfortable with you, uh, they shake your hand and they actually touch cheeks, your cheek to their cheek on their face, and then they actually kiss you as well. And that's to show your best friends with them. You're part of their family. Um, the uh, I remember when President Bush was walking along holding hands with the Saudi fucking prince or whatever, yeah. and everybody was like laughing, but you know, it was what... He he had kind of because he grew up in the oil business. He was very very uh, used to that, but it was very very weird to us. But there was the president of the United States walking along holding hands with an Arab, and everyone was like, "Ugh." So do you think he's gay? I'm like, "No, he's not gay. That can't be it." Are you sure? Because this is real weird. Here's Andy in Pittsburgh. You're on Run a Fest. Hey guys, good afternoon. Hey, in Europe, when you go to dine at a restaurant, it's very common. Uh, just to have total strangers come sit next to you uh, and just because they want to sit down at that particular table or if it's crowded, they'll just come and sit right down whether they're part of your group or not. All right, Very so strange. it's not even so much that it's a family-style seating. Just you could have a table for four. There would be two of you, and two other people could just come down and sit down and say, oh, we'll eat here. Do they ask? Well, yeah, I guess it's a kind of a friendly gesture. But it's kind of a given. Hey, it's an open seat. No one's taking it. And it's kind of a dick move to tell them no. It's just kind of accepted. You'll let them sit. Um, so they don't have the feeling like we do when we say, this is my table. No, absolutely not. And that's the, that's the crazy thing because Americans, as you said, we need our space. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting here with my chick. We need our space here. Now, and I man, wonder why. I wonder if it's because. We have a bunch of space in this country. You know, like when you watch those old movies, like an old West, like a pioneer movie, yeah. they'll be upset if they see a campfire somewhere in the distance. They'll be like, this destroys everything. I had a beautiful place here. And now look, somebody lives five, six miles away. It's disgusting. These people moving in. Um, but if someone comes and sits down right next to you at a movie theater, doesn't it feel like oh, before the movie's even started that that like it's not as fun anymore? Well, of course, it doesn't bother you if it's a packed theater, but if it's an unpacked theater, you're like you're fucking insane. It's almost an act of aggression for somebody to come and sit next to you. Um, let's go over here to Dan. Dan, you're on Fez. Hi, Bonnie. Yeah. Hey, uh, it's been a while since my son had, like, grabbed up and went to uh, hold hands with me, and he's nine, and it's probably been, a, I don't know how long, but it, it seemed like it's been forever since he tried to hold my hand or anything, and we were at a school function, and he reached up to hold my hand. It was the sweetest thing in the world, but at the same time, I was like, man, this feels kind of fucking weird. He's he's only nine, and it, it felt weird. You know, different holding a three- or four-year-old boy's hand. But the bigger he gets, it's like his fucking hand's getting big, and I'm holding, uh, you know, my, a dude's hand essentially. So in one in one instance it was sweet. At the other time, I was like, "Fuck, man, I'm not going to be able to hold this kid's hand much longer." So I don't know what you take on that, Ronnie B. It's great that you're already thinking of him as an odd stranger. I think that shows real uh, growth. Um, let's go over here to Mike. Mike, you're on Ronnie Fez. Hey, Ronnie, uh, so we went to Thailand a couple years ago and, you know, went through a few airports in Korea and Japan. Um, and, and each one of them, Korea, Japan, Thailand, 
they stand very close to you in line. So I'll, I'll give a couple feet in front of me, but the guy behind me, his stomach is literally pressed up against my back. They have no regard for personal space, not in a rude way. Yeah. I don't know, because there's, you know, two billion people and they all crowd around, but they're very close to you. They're breathing behind you. You can feel their hot Asian breath on your back. Yeah. It's very strange. The uh, guys who do the food carts here, I notice them all over each other. Even when they're arguing or whatever, they still might have uh, hands on each other. And I'm like, that fucking shit would turn ugly here in the States. Yeah, it would and you know, I, Yeah, I gave the personal space. I tried to give some room, and they kind of gave me some dirty looks. Like, hey, you got three inches in front of you. Go, you know, move up a little. And I'm, you know, kind of getting almost pushed in the back to kind of close that gap. They like to be very close. Um, let's go over here to... Uh, Jeff in California. Hey, what's going on, boys? Jeff yeah. Dismal Beach here. Hey, you know what's funny as fuck to watch is, uh, you know how in today's time, when, when two guys, two friends, even if it's two male family members, they go for the handshake and then it turns into the automatic one-arm around the back hug. Well, yeah. one guy's suppo supposed to lean his head to the left or the right, and the other guy's supposed to do the same thing. But it's funny as fuck when both guys lean to the same direction. It's almost like turning two uh, turn op uh, magnets opposite of each other. Because mm -hmm. like, whoa, 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 you know, two guys almost leaning in to fucking touch each other's lips. Yeah, yeah that, that could change everything. Uh, here's uh, Jamie. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddies. Uh, like 10 years ago, I'm a big fan of going to movies by myself, uh, and I went to go see Black Hawk Down on like a Tuesday night at like 11 p.m. Mm -hmm. and it was just me and one other guy in the theater, so just as an experiment before the movie started, I like decided to sit right next to him, so we were the only two people in the theater, and he got all freaked out, and he just left. Yeah, kind of I would have gotten up, too, because it seemed like jack time. <laughs> Everybody thought this guy's gonna wait for the shade, the fucking lights to go down, and then jack time starts. Um, let's go over to John. John of Buffalo, you're in Runa Fez. You know, Ronnie, it starts off in the parking lot, even before you get to the restaurant or the theater. You look for the space where there's at least one space between you and the next car, and by sure. the time you walk out, you're fucking screaming about the fact that somebody had the nerve to park next to you. What, isn't this always funny where it'll be a whole parking lot? And then you and somebody else who's next to you go to leave at the same time. And you're like, oh, you open your, yeah, you open your door. Just, just please, get just away from me. Let's, I want it out of here quick. <laughs> I just want this to be over with. Um, all right, now, Fez, when you hear Hicks say he couldn't walk down the street holding another dude's hand. Uh-huh. Does that seem anti-gay? Yeah, because it seems like he's gay sexualizing everything. No, that hurts your feelings, right? Yeah. And yet, you've never thought, I'll walk down the street holding my buddy's hand, you wouldn't do it. No, no. Because I it's gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it but seems we'll, like something that I, I guess that a couple would do. That's what I'm trying to say, is why, with him, it seems <laughs> offensive, but you wouldn't do it yourself. You would not walk down the street... Holding your buddy's hand. Mm -mm. Do you like to hold your chick's hand walking down the street? Yeah, but fucking uh, a dude, no. You like when she takes your arm? Sure, yeah. You ever take her arm? She usually takes mine. Yeah, yeah. it should never so be I down. Should... Yeah, that's, where that's the like, guy takes. That's weird because you're yeah. like holding on to yeah. them, right? Right. The guy puts his arm out, she takes. But when you sometimes will go <laughs> your chick, you're like, okay, now I'm the chick. I see. <laughs> I'm being prayed around here. Mm. So you do admit, Fez, it's gay to walk down your street, two guys holding hands. 
Yeah, I mean, people are going to assume you're a couple. I'm yes. not saying that. Yes, I'm it is. talking to you. Is it gay? Yes. So then he hasn't done anything offensive. No, I have. When he doesn't want to say, I'm gay. But I, we told him it was just buddies. But you even said, it's gay. It's a gay thing to do. No, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be thought of that way. Do you think it's strange when you put your hand into a stranger's pants? Does oh. that seem odd to you? Or is that too much personal space being given up? Um, Dude's pants, yes. John in Strong Island, you're on Fez. Hey, buddies. I work downtown in New York City, and I would go to lunch over at some of the authentic restaurants in Chinatown. And you sit down for lunch, and next thing you know, you got tourists, you got everybody sitting at the table. At first, you're kind of surprised, but then, you know, you get used to that uh, that notion that it's not so bad. Mm. You can enjoy uh, that right downtown, Steffi. It's great. It's. Uh, I was down in Chinatown one time, and a guy was eating a, a live bullfrog right in front of me. Oh. And he goes, I guess, you want a bite? And I go, no. I'm going to vomit. I go, I don't want to bite because I see you eating a live pet. Why wouldn't he cook it first? He said he was too Chinese. That's the answer he gave. Well, at least he has pride. Pride in the name of love is what he fucking has. Uh, I, by the way, I don't believe the dude WTF, uh, which is up on the Interbank today, and I recommend that no one view it. Wow, the, what's the happens here? Don't even look. Well, no, it says too gross to watch. I don't want to watch it. Don't watch it. I don't. <laughs> Guy jumps in the pool. Okay. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that's nasty. I think it's a work. Oh, I honestly believe it's a work. Guy, he's saying that. <laughs> um, oh, Keith up. Pittsburgh, you're on a fez. Don't watch. Oh. It's under dude oh. WTF on the Interbank. I don't believe it to be true. Keith, yeah, hey, I'm gonna get a take on this. Um, I mean, I mean, you see, uh, whenever guys driving a truck or a car, or if they have a bench seat, you know, in the front, the girls usually sit right next to the guy. Have you ever seen a girl driving a vehicle and, and a guy sitting next to the girl? And what's your take on that? No, I uh, it's I used to have friends that we used to call the incredible two-headed driver because she sat so close to him in his car that if you see them from behind or whatever, it looked like a two-headed person. <laughs> and we were always saying, I'd have to give her a fucking shove. You know, this isn't first date all the time. The fuck? A little personal space now. Back off, lady. Stop watching the same video I'm, over I'm, and over. I'm turning it off. I'm turning You're it off. You're fucking grossing me out now. Turn it off. Even though I still believe it's not true. Trying to figure out. I just think they're trying to go viral. Uh, but no, I think if a woman's driving, a man never would go and sit close. That that would just be insane. Um, Michael, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, buddies. Um, man, I'm sorry, but this Fezzy's turned into such a hypocritical old bag, like somebody's grandma. And I really miss the old Fezzy. This really sucks. What are you talking wow. about? What did he do? He, he speaks. See, here's the thing. I just heard from somebody else in the building. Why isn't Fez talking today? He does talk. He was just being honest about it just now. And the listeners are upset with him. What did he say that pissed you off? Oh, it just, it's always the hypocritical thing with the 
the gay stuff, you can't have a, a, a decent conversation with them. It's just so closed-minded, and, you know, you, there's just... All no, right, so you think it's not gay for two guys to be holding hands? Oh, it's totally gay, yeah, but... Yeah, had a problem we're on the same him. side, he brother. Got, he, got, he got around to agreeing with that. At but first, he, got, he blamed Hicks, but then when I asked him, is it gay, he admitted that it was. So, Hicks... Yes. Uh, take down your anti-gay card today. You are fine. Oh, come on. I mean, you got to figure another way to be anti-gay if you want to keep your streak alive, DiMaggio. <laughs> I'll take my shot today. Doug, it seems like you're just busting his balls. Uh, Sean, you're on running Fez. Hey, Ron. Uh, first off, the call screener couldn't have been nicer. Um, who, who was that? I don't know. It was a chick. Okay, that's our own Catholic Sam, Sam. who just seems like she's going gangbusters here. Oddly, it seems like Staten Island Anna is in trouble. She's falling behind. Yeah. All right, now what else? Uh, Okay, you and your chick are out eating, and you have to sit in a booth. Do you sit across from her or on the same side? Generally, I would sit across, but depending if there's a view, I have no problem at all sharing sides. And also, it makes it feel like you're on a roller coaster that's about to start. I don't know why people say, like, they can't sit on the same side of a table, but, like, when you're in an airplane, you're facing in the same direction. It's fine. I never actually, by the way, I don't like a seat where I'm flying backwards. It feels stupid to me. Like, I'm somehow, it's almost like bad luck, like I'm backing into a new situation. <laughs> I almost take it too literal. Can't have your back to the fucking wall there. Or back Actually, the- one time I flew into Pittsburgh backwards and I had a bad trip. And ever since then, I'm like, Fuck I it. can't fly backwards into a new town. It's a jinx. Everything will fucking go bad for me there. <laughs> it did. It does feel like a jinx. Like you want to be facing forward yeah. into your new endeavors. That makes perfect fucking sense to me. Now, do you have a tr- trouble sitting on the same side of a? No, I don't care. Okay, now let me ask you this. Yeah. Let's suppose. You're, it's like Riverside Dining, right? Uh-huh. It's a booth. Yeah. It's you and Fez. Yeah. Could you sit on the same side of him? And like both you having the view. No. You would sit with your back to the view. Yeah. I'd be like, I bet that view's pretty nice, but I need to have my space on this side of the booth. Okay. Again, that's gay, right? That's yeah. what you worry about? Yes. Yes. That's uh, something I, if there's three of us, if me, you, and Hicks go out to lunch, mm-hmm. I don't mind being the other person, the person with two on one side. You know why you don't mind, right? Because it's me, you, and Hicks. You're going to fucking be sitting with one of us. You're, it's never going to be me and Hicks. <laughs> you beta mail that every single time, and to now you adapt to it. But since I've known you, uh-huh. you've never been the guy who's gotten the booth side to himself. No. So you've adapted and say you're okay with it. No. I don't need any nice views. Um, well, then why did you bring me to this restaurant? It's for you. Oh. Who's <laughs> uh, Doug? Doug, you're on the Run of Fez show. Doug, we got you, buddy? Lost you. Here's Mike in D.C. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. My wife and I, we do dinner on opposite sides of the booth. And then for dessert, we get on the same side together. By the way, Um, Can you share a dessert? Can two guys share a dessert? I think that's really effeminate. 
Would I, I would you I, taste your friend's food? I have a four, yeah. That's, that's, I would do it constantly. Yeah. Not so, only yeah, that, would okay. I go like this, give me some of that. I can't fucking stand this. But desserts seem too dainty. I think everybody gets desserts themselves, depending on where you're at. Would you try uh, try his dessert? Like, let's say you got the pie, yeah. Fez got the ice cream, and he goes, oh, my God, this homemade ice cream is unbelievable. It's fucking like, it's like, seriously, it's like blowing an angel. Oh. Would you take a spoon and spoon some of that in your mouth? Sounds good. No, yeah, I, I, good. I just say to myself, should have got the ice cream, maybe next time. Oh, see, I have no problem eating some of his. <laughs> I have no fucking problem at all. I'll use the I, other person's utensil if it looks really good. Utensil, he says. Instead of spoon. Spork. Sometimes doesn't it seem like Fez just landed here when he uses his formality like utensil. That's kind of robotic. As if if he would have said spoon, we would have yelled out, what if it's gagged? <laughs> All right, then I would have had a fork. Ladle. Generally, I want to taste everybody's fucking dessert. I think it's crazy not to. Uh, coming up. In about 15 minutes. And we're going to catch up on breaks then, too, Hicks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And get you off my balls then. <laughs> Rob, we got to fucking catch up. I know. I hear about constantly a lot of times now. I'm breaking five minutes before the end of the show break. Maybe that's what I'm going to have to hit, you know. Uh, but today, uh, we're playing Search Shirts. Hurry up and search. Sign uh, Ramon stuff. And then uh, tonight at 9 o'clock... You can uh, play again. Now, this week, we're going to have signed stuff from Donovan, Paul Reiser, Bill Cosby, Dave Barry, and Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez. It's all part of Father's Day Hell week. Yeah. Hell yeah. Get your fucking dad something. Make him feel appreciated. What do you send your dad? Can't send him anything. He passed away. Mm. He's dead. Fez, are you doing anything special to celebrate? Uh, no, not for Father's Day. My father has also passed away. This time of the year, all I think about is how much you let your dad down. I don't know why. I guess it has to do with Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he died while he was visiting me in New York. Great job. You think your brothers and sisters hold anything against you for that? Uh, yeah, I think there is something there. Yeah. I think that, that if you would have got ordered more cabs and had him walk less, he might still be here with us. Fez's dad was a great guy. One thing I feel good about, I mean, you should never feel good about someone's death, uh -huh. but I'm so glad he doesn't have to live with this shame. What shame? Oh, none. No, no, I was just thinking of something else in my head. But I know for a fact it's true. Anyway, the point is it's Father's Day. Enjoy yourself. While you go do this, go out and do something with your dad and hold hands. Yeah, come on. Show him how much you care. You would never hold hands with a guy. No, I don't want to hold hands What if you. one of you was falling off a cliff? Would you hold hands enough? Or would you yell, I don't want anyone to think I'm gay. I can't grab your hand. I'm not gay! Would you hold hands if you were making out with a dude? Ugh, no. 
So just two guys with their hands behind each other making out. That's you, fucking bizarre. What if you had this huge athletic turnaround and you became the captain of a football team and had to walk out for the uh, coin toss? That's a really fucking good point, that those guys hold hands and walk out together like that. Oh, yeah. And... Pray together while they hold hands. I couldn't like get out of that. Like I, I'm not religious, religious as you dudes are. <clears throat> I gotta get out of here. Uh, <laughs> look, some of you guys are gonna be praying that you don't get injured. I'm gonna be standing over there getting my last smoke. <laughs> Today I got such a fucking uh, late start, and then I had to talk with Earl, which. Actually, I heard that he had set his alarm. I could hear how tired he was. Wow. So I knew that he set his alarm so he could call me. And from inside my house to the door of this place, Earl. <laughs> Earl talked time. to me the whole time. So I ended up too late to have a smoke. Oh, dumb. And it's been driving me crazy. Let's I like just, to have a little smoke before I come in. Definitely. Let's just light up in here right now. Come on. Dice does, and nothing happened. Oh, my God, it was so great. And what we'll do is after the show, we'll just call down and say, you know what? I still smell some of that dice smoke. Maybe you better s send someone. Why don't you get facilities in here? Because that smoke smell is killing us. Uh, Todd, you're on Fez. Yeah, would you help a buddy put on his necktie? It's a really intimate thing. Uh, and he can't tie a tie? Nah, he can't do it. I can't leave a motherfucker down like that. And I like... Stand next to me, and we'll both look into the mirror. Look, here's how it is. Just follow me. You can just get him a clip on. No, never. Um, Aaron, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, yeah. I just wanted Fez and Pepper to you know, tell those guys that um, if you hold hands saying the Lord's Prayer, it's not gay. I mean, see, I do it every Sunday. See, I, I have a problem with that. Why? I think that I think you should be holding hands with a chick. Now the serenity prayer is the same way. Where a lot of places they'll do, let's all hold hands. And I always go, all right, let me stand in between these two chicks. I'll walk across the room. Good. And like you two broken bitches, let me in here. I know you said you done a lot of fucking crazy shit for crack, didn't you? Huh? <laughs> didn't you? Fucking nasty, huh? You're fucking nasty for that pipe. It's like that glass dick. Like right, you're not fucking helping. And I'd be like this. Remember this? In the old days. Remember that? That anticipation? You do that to us. Right there. Come here, really. bitch. You know what you're going to do next? Why are you walking when you could be crawling on your fucking belly? Huh? Crawl like a fucking snake over here. Anyway. That's the fucking point of it all. By the way, if... If you think to yourself, hey, that's oddly hot, then you're damaged. Mm. Uh, Bad Brains showed up at Bonnaroo. Oh, yeah. HR was there in all his glory. And this is a big story. This is up on the iBank today. Elaine was right. A dingo did eat the baby. After 30 years. Yeah, how long? Is, how 30 fucking, fucking years. How long ago was that They've shit? got to apologize to Merle Streep. And said the dingo ate the baby. I bet she feels great. I don't know, because her baby's still dead. Yeah, but you know, now it's proven that she's... I mean, she's got to be over that by now, 30 years. This is the weird thing. And, I mean, 
and most of us have known this happen to someone, but when someone dies when they're a kid or a baby, in your mind they never grow up. You still think of them as the baby, you know? Yeah. You never think like 30 years have passed or whatever. And I never think to myself, what would he be doing now? I just think of the baby. What? Yeah. They just stop in time in your head. This baby's just... just dingo fucking, chewed. Yeah, just digested in a dingo stomach. Here's the big scene. Glenn, have you seen my fiancé? He's upstairs. Are you going upstairs? Tell my fiancé I'm looking for him. <laughs> I have lost my fiancé, the poor baby. <laughs> Maybe the dingo ate your baby. The dingo ate your baby. Um, as where Fez got his, he hates to hear people say fiance. fiance. A lot of his stuff comes from TV. Or as he calls it, I just got an idea. From TV. Uh, a KKK group, and this is up on the interrobang.com today. Uh, wants to do the adopt the highway program, All right. but they actually want to patrol it oh. instead of just pay to have things cleaned up there. They actually want to set up a patrol. It's crazy how much you have to re-explain stuff to KKK members. They don't get that it's just it's just donations. Yeah, I used to have a friend who, well, he claimed he was a KKK wizard. He definitely had this uh, sheet and everything. But, uh, wow, he was also That's serious shit, not really, okay, because <laughs> he was my connection for this, okay, <laughs> once a week, like clockwork, nice, every fucking week, uh, but he used to be on my show, we called him Whitey, and I haven't talked to him in a long time, and uh, he had the sheet, the whole fucking nine yards. With the meetings or whatever? Or yeah, he rallies. was the wizard for whatever little area. I don't think it was that big of a deal to become a wizard. They would put him on TV every once in a while. Though. It's always, I mean, you can get booked on TV. Just as being a crazy fucking bastard? You just need the outfit. And what show doesn't want you? What daytime show wouldn't want to have you on? Hey, let's bring this guy on in. Get some black people. Yeah, Come and on. have them scream at him and everybody... You know, then you just say something obnoxious, and everyone yells, you better do something else, and everyone claps and says that you're a disgrace, and then some white person, uh, you know, stands up and tells him that he's the real N-word, <laughs> and that would be his gig, that would be his job. <laughs> Not a bad act, I guess. Um, John, California, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, Ronnie, sound like a million bucks. I feel hey, like a million uh, bucks today, I really do. All right, uh, got a story about holding hands. I got married this weekend, and my best man was my buddy from the Marines. We were to get, we were in the Marines for five years together, and we had to do a prayer. Everybody held hands. Felt really gay. I can see that. I can see why it would. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Bark is going to come in. Among other things, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals. It's going to be a really fun Finals. Oh, hell yeah. You got Oklahoma, a team that a lot of people still don't even know how to team. They're like, wait, Oklahoma? Huh? You mean college football? No. Nope. nope. Professional basketball. Playing against the Dark Knight and his Dark Minions. 
Uh, before we even get into this, tell me what the poll numbers are and who people are rooting for. Right now, OKC got it by 67% to Miami Heat's 33%. That's actually better than I thought Miami Heat would be doing right now. They're just so hated. You don't run into regular people who say that they like them. Now, I don't think that you can be a basketball fan and not like to watch Dwayne Wade play. I mean, the guy plays so fucking smooth. The whole fucking the team is nasty, and LeBron James is a fucking monster. It's it's good, but these people hate him so much. There's people who don't even give a fuck about basketball just know that all right, LeBron's a dick. Well, we mainly hate him for that horrible ESPN show. <laughs> the decision was a bad decision. What would you have done if you were LeBron? Just fucking make the announcement. Fuck it. Put a press release out through your agent. And go to the Knicks. If you would have went to the Knicks. <laughs> you know, that's the funny thing. If he would have came to New York, we would love him. Hell yeah. Like, Just like you, you are with Tebow. Yeah. He's I'm, your favorite player I, right now. I'm grab, trying to grab. I can't find a Tebow jersey in this town. They're all sold out. It's true. I'm going to start just calling him T-Blow. No. For when he does throw an interception. No, they started working the fucking Wildcat in now in training camp. Did they really? Yeah. Is this happening? Yeah, they're implementing it. What a fucking crazy time this uh, is. Did you see the smoke of bull art? Hell yeah. I love that stuff. It's dope. Fucking when you get high as fuck. I love anything that helps you to be somewhat weird. Check this um, out. Alright. Yeah, that's ooh, spacey. Whoa, spacey. Where does it begin? Where does it end? Alright. Uh, head on over to uh, the iBang right now to play Search, Search, Hurry Up and Search. We're thinking of Father's Day gifts. And what says Father's Day better than sign Ramones? Hell yeah. When I think of my dad, I think of the Ramones. Um, Punk rock, baby. That was my dad. He was like Tommy Ramone. Uh, So you will head on over in just a second. I would head on over there now and be ready. Because we're about to play this song. And that means hit refresh, refresh, refresh. And the question will pop out. This is exciting. Oh, man. Come on. Uh, you got to be quick on those fucking fingers, people. I'm not sure what the... Okay. I fucked this up. But... Let's play the song and get it started. Don't have a song? What happened? The... Harlem Globetrotters shorts. What's the annual rainfall in Cairo? It's everyone's favorite game show. Let's try it again from the beginning. What year was Jerry Mathers born? Search, search, hurry up and search. How many stripes are on the Harlem Globetrotters' shorts? 
What's the annual rainfall in Cairo? It's everyone's favorite game show! Let's go over here, Hicks. I want you to be able to play this as we go into commercial. When filming the movie, The Way, father and son team, Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez, take the pilgrimage called the Camino de Santiago. There are many routes on the Camino. What is the name of the route that is followed in the way, and where does the route begin? It's time for you to search, search, hurry up and search. Search, search. Head on over the Interbang to put in your answer. Search, hurry up and search. You've got to go over the search box. Send your answer in on the form, not email, Twitter, or comments. First right answer we receive is when we will break here. We'll be right back. It's Ron Fez. Hurry up and search, search, search. Hurry up and Fez show. Uh, Chris Stanley still working on the search, search, hurry up and search. Today was a tough one. This is tough. You could head on over to the Interbang. Uh, I'll let you know when we uh, know for sure we've got a winner in. But Chris Stanley, I can't imagine it's going to be you today. I'm struggling, but I want this fucking CD. I love the Ramones. Uh, Jerry Barkey here. Jerry, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for having me. Always good to be here. You know, the last time w w that you came in, uh, Scott Robb was with you and uh, was such a character mm -hmm. that we barely got enough chance to hear from you. It's all right. It was good. It was good. I, he's, a, he's a funny guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. He really is. Mm -hmm. And I read his book, mm -hmm. and I'm, I actually ended up yelling at my guys that I didn't read it first because I would have been totally... That book is nuts. It is. It's fucking bananas. So... Uh, as the Whore of Akron keeps winning, maybe you could bring him back in here again one day because I honestly think, I think that Miami Heat is going to win it. I know you feel just the opposite. I, I think they played in the runner-up series. I'm going to stick to that, yeah. that the Western Conference Finals was the NBA championship this year. And, you know, the Heat are playing well. I know you've, you've loved the Heat almost all season. I oh. like them because of the bad guys. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't even find them to be likable bad guys. They're not even like a like a Ric Flair was a likable bad yeah. guy. They're just I don't know, I think they're kind of bad. They haven't earned it and they're lame. 
Um, you know, they got these other parts. It's like the sum is Hold less on. than the parts. Dwayne Wade is lame. You could honestly say that to me. He, 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 I think, here's the thing about Dwayne Wade. Great player coming out of Marquette, and he's the hustler, and he's getting knocked down. And then he wins a championship with Shaq in a series that turned on a foul call with Devin Harris there mm -hmm. against the Mavericks. Something has shifted with Dwayne Wade um, in that you can look to when, the, when he shut it down. When he was without Shaq and the Heat were atrocious, yeah. and he shut it down for the season so they could play themselves into a lottery pick. And the fact that you know he's just got this uh, chip on his shoulder that I'm not sure needs to be as pronounced. You know, the whole thing with staring KG down in that series, mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure that's there. Because these guys want to be the bad boys when it's convenient to be the bad boys. But then they also want to be the good guys, too that are doing good things. And I don't think you can have it both ways. Go If you want to go hardcore bad boy, be the thug that the bad boy Pistons were then. Well, that's too bad. That was just actually ugly. That was awesome. Two-thirds <laughs> of the people agree with you right now. Two-thirds of the people want to see Oklahoma. Who? Oklahoma City. Who? When did they get a team? <laughs> we're still trying to figure that out. Yes, teamless in Seattle. And, and I thought of you about, because of your visceral reaction to Baltimore fans embracing yeah. the Ravens. I actually thought of you with that. And, and the fact that this could be the Seattle Supersonics championship. Yeah, finally, here. right? Finally. Yeah. Well, they won in 79. They won in 79. Well, you're a little older than me. You remember everything. But uh, <laughs> I remember those teams in the 90s that were so strong and they mm -hmm. couldn't get over the hump. Uh how are the people in Seattle feeling about this, though? I think crushed? they feel ripped off. I don't know if it's time has begun to heal that wound, mm -hmm. but I think they feel ripped off and hoodwinked by the whole deal. And, I mean, I think a few years ago they had that, a video that went viral about them losing the Sonics, and they had that weird Pacific Northwest boogeyman mm -hmm. uh, forest uh, mascot doing a video. But I think they feel robbed. And imagine what they could have had here. You know, a championship yeah. coming to Seattle. I mean, Seattle doesn't really have a lot to talk about when it comes to pro sports. Uh, well, of course, neither is Oklahoma City until now. <laughs> and now this is a town going crazy and a town that honestly is treats these this team like kings. As what you do when you first get a team. Yes. I don't know. I've never had that feeling Growing up in Philadelphia, we were never easy on any of our sports teams. But there are some places that will act like, win or lose, we're with ye boys. That's where <laughs> Oklahoma City is. Well, right what now. else is going on there? I mean, what yeah. else do they have? You know, I, in Oklahoma City. And, and I mean, I mean, that's a kind of glib media comment, but it of is. course. <laughs> that's the big market type stuff. I know. You know, I know. what you remind Here. me of right now is Howard Cosell. Cosell used to say that kind of shit. Well, that's kind of a compliment. It He's is. sort of a legend. It that's is. pretty cool. Can we cut levels. that up so I can have it, bring but, it home? But, you know, uh, what he would do when um, people would, like, write whatever article of Cosell's, allow him up, blah, blah, he would always be like, uh, he would talk about the writing and he goes, I wonder why he's not in market number one, New York City, the way I am. <laughs> and he would actually help that's people great. hate New York City. That is great mic work.
Yeah. That is terrific. Yeah. That's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, he would not take a lot of shit. But he was also one of these guys, and I don't know what it is, but Monday Night Football will do that to you, where you will carry your bad reviews around in your pocket and go looking for people who said stuff. He, he, I mean, he was a character beyond characters, and he, the thing was that people did knock him for too was being a homer in certain spots. He was Ali's boy, you know. And uh, but hey, he was entertaining, and he, he, he how can you not be Ali's guy though? I mean, who else are you going to be? Ken Norton's. <laughs> what about Ernie Shavers? What about Joe Frazier? Joe Frazier was no Ali in terms of the charisma. Yeah, just the charisma. Now, uh, I was. Uh, a big fan of Joe Frazier's until, of course, George Foreman. And then I'm like, this is just embarrassing. He's beating him like he's from Philly. <laughs> uh, so you are picking... OKC. And how many games? You're going for a sweep. You're going for four games. Uh, I'm going to say uh, six games. Six games. Yeah, I'm not going to put it to a game seven. I, I think Scotty Brooks, I think this Oklahoma City team got a lot tougher mm-hmm. and fa- went even deeper into the well of to um I'm trying to avoid sports clichés and say things like found themselves. I think it's good to say that. Okay. I think they found themselves. They, they were, found they were themselves. Lost. They were lost and they were found in San Antonio. X, what are you picking? <sighs> Give me the heat and five. What whoa. The heat in five. The Heat in five. What, what, what he did to fucking the Celtics, it's 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 fucking nasty. I, I believe a guy in fucking LeBron James. All of a sudden, I got somebody who's a witness who wasn't a witness last week. Well, it's last rough. week he was the other way? You bet. I wanted the Celtics to beat the Heat. Okay. Yeah. But... What the fucking LeBron James did to the Celtics? It's fucking on now. He's got the, Here's what I feel bad about. Bet. I felt so good about the Heat until Jinxie McJinx butt got on my side. <laughs> Seriously, when when Doom comes and bets with you, it's awful. Come on, jump um, on in. All right, we got a winner, by the way, on the search, search, hurry it up and search. A man who simply calls himself Andrew. That's all. Just Andrew. All right, Andrew. He's just a fellow named Andrew. That's all. All right, Andy. Congratulations. Uh, he's a big, big uh, winner. The CD signed by Tommy Ramone, Leave Home. Um, Fezzi, I know you're not a basketball guy. Right. But you're Florida first. You were born in Miami? No, uh, no born in a small town outside of St. Petersburg, Florida. Pinellas Park, Florida. All right, so that's basically like little Miami. I mean, everything's very close together. In, I've in heard Florida. it called that. Yeah. For real. I mean, it really is not that far away. Uh do you have a dog in this fight? Do you care one way or another? I don't care one way or another. I think it's going to go all seven. Based on? Just that the other, the last two series, from what I understand, went, uh, one of them went seven and the other one went six. So I, I like but, when he gets all Cheswick like this. And he'll be like, Max said something about a World Series game, and I'd like to see that. Maybe we could have another vote today. That actually was my favorite scene in the whole movie. The revote. Get your fucking hands up, Chief. Everybody get your hands up. Uh, so who are you picking, Fez? And I'm going to go with the Thunder. What I call the OC because I don't think the K should be pronounced. No, the OC is Orange County. 
Uh, let's go over here to uh, Mikai here on the Run of Fez show. What's up, fellas? I'm just here with Fezwick, and we're trying to get a revote today. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, it's going to be Oklahoma City in probably six. I don't see how you can say the Heat in five games when you say, but. Huh? I don't think anybody said the Heat in five games. Yeah, I did. Oh, you said the Heat in yeah, five, five games? games. You five. even said five games? Five games. Like that? Yes. You were so stunned that he went against you. I, I, I was in a daze. Heat in five. I was in a daze. Right. They're going to take it. LeBron James wants this badly. He's going to get his first ring. Can you think of a guy with more talent that has been more hated than LeBron is? Because a lot of times we hate people for being brash with no talent. You know, that's the thing that we kind of hate. Well, you'll yell out, he's not even you. But no one sits around and debates whether or not LeBron is good. Yeah, nobody says, oh, he really stinks. He's awful. Right. And that, but it's the thing I'm beginning to love about him, and I'm finally embracing it, is that he's not brash. There's just It's almost like there's nothing over there with him. What do you mean? He just has no feelings? Like, almost like a sociopath? Well, he's... Uh, now we're talking about something. You think that he doesn't understand what other people feel? I think he's a cliche at the mic, and when you then when you get him away from that, and he's doing a State Farm commercial, or he's trying to do something uh, to kind of build that positive image. Uh, I think it, it, it reeks of something shallow, and it, it's the whole. Listen, somebody. I think somebody put up on, on the uh, the eye bang about, mm. hey, it was a business decision, and this happens all the time. No, it wasn't. He had an hour on the largest sports network in the world to thumb his nose at his hometown and go to Miami. And I don't fault him for any of this, but I do think I will put it in the bank of this is what makes him hateable. And I'm going to enjoy being a hater, so to speak. I can't embrace Have him being great. Have you talked to Scott Robb lately? Oh, yeah. Is he just is the, is, is like, a, uh, like stomach cancer for him? Is this just awful? Well, <laughs> I think of him every time I'm watching a game, and I crack up. I just I find myself laughing at his pain. Here's the funny thing. Rab, like probably a lot of people out there, had Boston won Game 7, he wouldn't even be watching the he'd NBA be Finals. He's, he'd be done. He's in it for LeBron, which again, put another feather in LeBron's cap. But he... he He's worried, and he's got this Cleveland-like abused, uh, you know, abused child thing. More than um, anybody you've ever seen. <laughs> and and it's kind of like he's waiting for the worst to happen. You know, we actually we watched the game that the where the Celtics took the three-two lead mm-hmm. uh, together, and he couldn't he couldn't allow himself to even experience the fact that this was a possibility because he was waiting for the other shoe to drop because that's life as a Clevelander, right? Um. Let's go over here to uh, Mike in Vegas, who wants to bring the gambling aspect into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm headed to the uh, Las Vegas Hilton Sportsbook right now, and I'm going to put my not considerable income on the Heat in five. Exactly what I think. That's right. Make that okay. money. Now, were you thinking that before Pepper made that call, or is this I, a yeah, Pepper Hicks no, infused? That's exactly what I woke up this morning expecting to do. Heat in five. Uh, now, the money is going to OKC. It's a minus 170 on OKC for the series, and the money's going there. But history dictates that when a team's been there the year before, they don't fall on their face the next year. They're, now, OKC's the second youngest team ever to play in the NBA Finals. They're not going to be up to the task, in my opinion. Um, 
Uh, he has come up with a good point, though, that if you walk into this, one team is experienced on what the finals can bring. And if you are those Heat boys, you've been playing with pressure every single game for two years. There can't be any extra pressure where uh, Oklahoma City... This is all new to them, and they got fucking balloons, and they're like, "Can you believe?" We and made it. I, I swear to God, their fans there just like, "We love you no matter what. We all think you're wonderful. We can't believe we got a team. Fuck Seattle. Fuck their hopes and dreams." Why do the owners want to get out of Seattle? Too much rain, I think. No, the owner was from Oklahoma City. Yeah. So why not bring a team there? That was I his think, point. That's why he went in and bought that team. Or, or, yeah. To and, move it in the first place. Yeah. And what they saw, they when Katrina forced the Hornets mm -hmm. to do something like 38 games. Uh, there was in, a lot of talk they were going to get the Hornets. Yeah. So I think the success of that, uh, if you can make money and put people in the seats, you, why not take that opportunity? But didn't it even look like they were trying to steal a team from a from an area that was just been attacked from a hurricane? It looked really bad when they were being so happy. Like, oh my God, I can't believe we have a team. But they're a really small market, so they like any attention. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, again, it's Oklahoma City. This is a great thing. I, I, here's the thing I'll say about the Heat and the past experience. Here's what they have in the back of their mind with this experience is the experience of their in, impending implosions. You know, they've got all okay. the talent in the world. They still have not figured out chemistry. And Eric Spolstra, I, I don't know. I mean, what? name me the coach that is not a strong leader on the sidelines that, that has hoisted a championship trophy in the NBA. And I tried to look at this. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, that might be, but maybe he's the right coach for those guys because you can't be strong with those guys. But let me tell you this the things that you're saying about choking, all this, people forget. We used to say this about Peyton Manning. Everyone forgets that until you win the championship, they, act, they go back to when you lost your last game before you finally get a championship. And Peyton Manning was known for well over a decade. From his college years on, as choke guy. Couldn't win the big game, right? Couldn't Just... get the big game. Well, Run it up in the fifth week. I'll tell you something funny. I actually interviewed Peyton Manning. He had a playoff that loss to the Jets. That is pretty funny. Yeah. Actually, this isn't going to be funny at all. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you something. Okay. Um, so Peyton Manning, uh, they lose to the Jets in a playoff game at the Meadowlands, 41 nothing, And... Peyton Manning's at his locker, and the throng of us are there, uh -huh. you know, five people deep. And he turns around, he's like, let me just, you know, get get dressed. And he knew. He turned around, he said, look, I know the headlines are written. I know the stories are written. I'm going to give you everything you need. You know, what are your questions? But I know it's out there. I can't win the big game. And I was thinking, here's this guy. He's, he was nine. I, I looked at his bio. He was nine months older than me. And I thought, wow, is that a slightly unfair that he yeah. has to deal with this? I mean, what, what am I? No one's saying that about me in my life. And right, but you were also driving home in a VW, and he was leaving <laughs> I was in a lucky jet. if it was a VW. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, though, about Peyton Manning, a little different than LeBron James, is mm -hmm. Peyton Manning was a great teammate. I remember talking to Edron James in the locker room after everybody had cleared out. And Edron James, you know, I asked him about Peyton, and, you know, do you have confidence in him, and can you, you know, is he the guy that's going to take you to the promised land? And Edron James said, I ride with Peyton. I ride with Peyton. Don't even bring that to me. All right. That sounded a little racist. No, that's and how he said it. That's yeah, how he said it. Sure. That's how, but oh, I, here I we wonder, go. No, but I do worry about this. You're pro-white Peyton, 
and an anti-black <laughs> LeBron. Maybe mm-hmm. Hicks. The way the reason that you and I are betting the Heat, yeah, is neither one of us sees color. No, you know we measure people by their merits. Yeah, maybe their abilities. I don't know. I'll go over to Freak Dog and see what he thinks. Freak, what do you got, buddy? I'm with you, Ronnie. I, yeah. I watched Game Seven in a, uh, a black bar in North Jersey, and uh, those guys are all about LeBron. I mean, the, he, I, I don't know if it's a victimization complex for LeBron, where the the whole fucking country has turned on him, and black you know culture has embraced him, or I don't know if it's black culture or youth culture. But there's definitely a lot of people that fucking love the Heat out there. They're selling merch. And, well, uh, you know, people are popping for them. It might and, be our older white culture that's like, what the fuck is going, you know, whether it's conscious resentment or subconscious. In, in Scott's fun. book, Chris Rock actually explains to him that, uh, Scott, that that from a black point of view, LeBron was being loyal, loyal to his family, loyal to his friends, and Scott wanted him to be loyal to the white ownership and the white establishment of Cleveland. And that's Chris Rock bringing that up. Now He knows better than any of us. Well, exactly the same as you and I, because we don't have a racist bone in our bodies. No. Um, I, I think there's a youth divide, for sure. I think uh, older generation versus youth. The youth, yeah, right. they don't care as much that he changed teams. It seems logical to them. Uh, we still, you know... Well, I th- first of all, they don't even know there's teams. And that's because of the way the NBA and ESPN markets that sport as individuals. That sport, in particular, above all else, is so star-driven that... Most people couldn't even sit around and tell you the other two starters on Miami uh, because we focus on stars. Uh, But then again, I'm saying that as somebody that's not racist. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Let's go over here to Chuck. Chuck, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. uh, A guy I grew up with that played in the NBA for many years and run championships told me one time, that the NBA will always want their series to go in the championship to go to six games. They can stand it going six games, but under that, they lose so much money. And and uh, he, he told me to watch the way the refereeing went if the team got up 3-0 or something like that. You could really tell the difference, and I would think that guy played in the NBA for 10 or 12 years would probably know. Um... Sounds yeah, credible. I, Sounds very credible. Yeah, I, you know, that's the kind of stuff we say when we lose bets. <laughs> I know I have many, many times. Fucking rigged. And I'm telling you, if you really want to think the game is rigged, bet any game. I mean, the NFL will kill you how close they stay to that line. It's fucking I've sworn on it before, but only when I have a bet down. When I don't have a bet down, I, I don't see it. But suddenly, <laughs> but suddenly, clear. when I have a bet down, it's look like I put on those fucking Rowdy Roddy Piper glasses <laughs> where suddenly you see a whole different reality. Obey. Um, here is uh, Brian in New Mexico, or as what I've heard Jerry Barker call it, Jew Mexicant. <laughs> What do you got? I hate when he calls it that. <laughs> I, I think uh, people have a lot of disdain for LeBron James because of the 
the announcement and then that big over-the-top thing with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh acting like uh, pounding their chest like gorillas. And when he said they would win, right, not, not four, not five, not six, oh God, but more racist. championships. Oh now, first of all, unlike you, I want to just call him a racist for saying gorilla. And then I let me move. The guy that you just agreed with he just yeah. said, said pounded on his chest like a gorilla. Uh, yeah. oh, which I'm, was, I'm sorry. was I'm really great batty. as you went into your black inflection. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, How do you there's sleep? some people who shouldn't do accents. <laughs> I, and, I'm learning I'm one of them, apparently. And, and Whitey Notre Dame. <laughs> now, Fez, uh... You're a big Notre Dame fan. Yes. You live and die with Notre Dame. Absolutely. Would you go that far? Yeah. Are you totally proud of that last list that they just finished in the top ten of? I didn't see this. Top ten anti-gay schools in America. Notre Dame make the top ten. Give me uh. a pound, self-hating uh, gay men. Um, Nothing. Not six. My black ass is going to get some fried <laughs> chicken and grape soda. You're going to get you some champion chip, baby. <laughs> All right, now you're doing a white guy. That's actually a white guy you're doing. Impression. I can't be around racism. I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. Um, let's go over to um, Chuck in Chicago. You're my fence. Hey, guys, yeah. I used to think a lot like that last caller about things kind of, you know, the NBA really wanted to go more games for the money until um, back when Shaq was on the Magic and they made it to their first final, they got swept. Yeah. Yeah, people they forget all that. Quick. And, you know, you can normally get away with saying stuff like, you know, they want it to go with the money, but but then all you got to really do is a little bit of research. Yeah, I mean to find that it's just not true. The, the you talk about the Shaq playing the Rockets and Olajuwon tooling on him in that series, but just a few years before that, the Portland won the first game against the Pistons. The Pistons came back and won four straight. Mm -hmm. So, but it's probably credible that it goes but to six. We talk about um, you know LeBron leaving. I was down. I have some friends in Orlando. I was there right before Shaq left. And I said, yeah, he's going to go to L.A. And they go, he will never go to L.A. He go, they go, he owns this town. Wherever he goes, people go crazy. I go, guess what? He's going to own L.A. <laughs> and no one wants to own Orlando. You know what I mean? Even Disney World's like, all right, good. We're taking that money back to our headquarters in L.A. We're going to get the hell out of here. Yeah, but he didn't do it, and he didn't do it in the way LeBron did it. No one, no one had to. Here's what kills me: no one blames ESPN for that. ESPN were the ones that acted like whoremongers that night. But if you were a network, would you say, "No, I'm not doing this"? Yeah. No, I'm not giving you an if hour. I acted like of the most watched thing that's been. It, it, that was the NBA. It was the biggest story in the NBA for more than a full season. Where he would end up. Right, but you can't. You can't sell out your product for a cheap thing. So you can't sit around and have PTI and say, we're going to comment on the way these guys act. And then you turn around and act exactly like them, where you spend an hour in hype. You know, you've got to go out and report the story if you are reporters. I, I understand completely what you're saying. I agree with you. And I think if you're looking for ESPN as a... This uh, journalistic 
um, news source. Mm, but it's only l- when it suits them. Yes, only when it suits them. I mean, I think Good, the biggest blunder is the Syracuse story with yeah. Bernie Fine's wife. That, to me, from as an outsider, looks clearly they got beat. They got beat totally on the Penn State thing, and then basically produced this Syracuse story that has now fallen apart, but did ruin people's lives. Right. So you believe that they they just wanted a hype story, a fun hype story? I, I don't think it's they want they needed a hard hitting journalistic story, mm-hmm. so they came up with one. You know, they rekindled an old old source material that they had yeah. to come up with this. But I think it's to Fez's point that when they need to be. They come up with they they come up with these stories when they want to at their discretion versus true journalism. Why don't you ever do any funny accents when you do? And pr- by the way, are you just crushed over this uh, Robin Roberts thing? I think yeah. You pull him for hundred percent. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. She's you, great. Are She's you going to write to your Catholic God and get him on your side? <laughs> I, I'll say some prayers, of course. Yes. She's got a 10 out of 10 match, and that is such an important thing in this. So, Truth bomb. It's all good for her. Truth I bumps. Um, let's go over here to Charlie. Charlie, you're on Ronnie Fez. Ronnie, uh, I'm sorry for, for other people. I have to tell them that today Ronnie did a reference from the movie They Live with Roddy Roddy Piper. And yesterday, when he referred to Patrick Duffy as the man from Atlantis, I was a kid, and I was so upset when that show was canceled. So I've always hated Dallas. I've never wanted to watch Dallas. So, Ronnie, thank you for the references, and that's all I got. Um, Let's uh, go over here. I wish just the guys I work with got some of my references. Oh, my God, come on. And then... All I say is this. I, I, now uh, I love They Live. Now I'm getting the They Live reference that they just live. happened maybe Keith 10 David minutes ago. Keith David was his co-star. <laughs> it was? Keith David. That was the black construction worker guy he hung out what with. What does it matter? I, I got the reference. That's what I'm saying. I know the film. And then what other film was he in? He was in Keith David? Mm-hmm. He was in Die Presidents. He was in... Well, he, others, he was in... Other ones that I referenced. Platoon. Yeah, oh, Dennis, what can we do for you? He was in Platoon. Yes, he Platoon, was. Yeah. Uh, I still am not over Journeyman being canceled. Me neither. Journeyman's coming back. I like think about it at night and all that. Me too. Right before I go to sleep, I'm like, I wonder where Journeyman is tonight. Just jumping around in time and space. Sixties probably. The quartz, you know, yeah. whatever happened to quartz? We never found out. How come no one's talking about the matchups of this series? Lay it on us. I mean, who does Miami have for the big men in Oklahoma City? You got Durant, who's seven feet tall. Perkins, you got, uh, and then you got plenty of other guys that, that can really fill it up. Plus, you got great defense in Thabo Savalosha. No one's There's no that. doubt that the reason why that they are, uh, you know, favored to win this is because the the balance is on their side. There's more balance. There's more team play. We all get it. But Hicks and I have thrown that out the window. And we're shucking and jiving and treating this thing like it's new kicks. That's right, baby. And she's a crisp, too. Hip-hop. We're going to hip-hop this whole thing home. Love those heat. Now, do you love them in the, all the black uniforms? The yeah, all I black do. Uniform? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, want them to come, I want them to wear black hats. I want them to wear masks. I want them to be the first team that wears Zorro masks. They should have hoodies on, too. Just black hoodies. Sure. I actually like that move that they did with the when they did the, the shirt with the hoodies. Yeah. 
I did like it because you know what? Finally, out of the heat camp, there was something that they that I knew they stood for, mm. and it wasn't this. I just have the sense that they want to be loved and embraced, and they can't. They don't understand why people would actually abhor them. Guess uh, what? When they win, they're going to be loved and embraced. They are going to be the biggest team in sports when they win this thing. I, but that's a function of the media pendulum of we're going to kick them, we're going to kick them. <gasps> oh, and you know, it, yeah. we're building the the sort of moronic uh, sports uh, story arc of redemption. Sure, they were down. Yeah, were they ever really down when they're clearly the most talented team in the league, and they fought through all our criticism, all our name calling. To but win it. isn't even hating them uh, kind of a medium made up? Let's face it, I can see why Scott would hate him for leaving Cleveland. But why should me, you, Hicks, or even Fezziwick care one way or another? I actually don't know, but I found myself embracing not liking them. I, I actually know. can't even explain it, but I found myself embracing not li- because of the. Uh, I, I think they haven't. Uh, I will. Ma- I will say it's the. It's the. They haven't earned it, yeah. and they're pushing people around and getting in people's faces, and uh, I don't know. And they. I don't know. And Spolster doesn't do it for me as a coach at all. Well, here's the weird thing that I got out of Scott's book is that to be a fan of a team is insanity. There's no logic to it whatsoever. There's no reason that you should have embraced some corporation just because you grew up near them. And quite frankly, there's no reason for them to care all that much about you unless you're buying tickets or not. But, Fez, who's your quarterback right now? Uh, It is um, Josh Freeman. It took him that long to know the great Josh Freeman. And, Fez, you've been a fan since 76, right? Yeah. When the team came in. Josh Freeman hasn't been a fan since 76. He hasn't lived and died with the Bucks. Fez cares more about the Bucks than the starting quarterback of the team. He cares more about its history. He cares more about what it means to be a Buccaneer, blah, blah, blah. And that's true of any of us. These young guys, there's no, they would be insane to sit around and care about it the way that a fan does. I feel like I'm Carlogio and you're talking to me about Mickey Mantle in Bronx. But it is a good point. You know, somebody needed to wake him up. Yeah. Everything that was said to him was true. You're buying into a fantasy. Mm-hmm. You're a fucking rube in front of the carny. And the whole, hey, I live and die with that team. I guarantee you a marketing man came up with that. I'm guaranteeing you a marketing man came up with a, a true fan sticks with the team through the bad times. But we blissfully embrace it. And part of it is the emotional ties that we have to sports and the bonds that were created over it. You know, uh, I'm, you know, Italian from Jersey and pasta dinner on Sunday and Giants football was a way of growing up and watching football together with people was something that we did. And I think it's, you're right, but at the same time, we've invested these emotional connections to it. Um, but you know what's really weird? That sport has changed so much since you were g- growing up eating pasta. Uh, the way that who the players are has changed so much. Who the owners are has changed so much. And yet you in your head, because you are now buying into nostalgia mm-hmm. instead of reality, you are still reflecting something upon these people that they don't believe in. They're not sitting around thinking about, hey, this is great for the whole family. 
to become uh, fans of this. Because you wouldn't have... The, the weirdness to me now, and I find nothing stranger than adults wearing the fucking numbers to the games. Honestly, wearing jerseys, game jerseys, two games. All you've got to do is go back and look at... I go to the greatest game I ever played, 1958. Tell me you see one fucking jersey being worn, whether it's a Baltimore or a Guys are wearing giant. suits. Guys yeah. are wearing suits and uh, hats to that. Because to they that were game. adults. They were adults, and they were going to the game to enjoy a sporting event, not tied in with some strange, fake emotion that really belongs more in fantasy than it does in reality. I think being a fan, and you have to remember, it's short for fanatic, but the guy who lives and dies with a team, I think it's one of the strangest. And what's weird about it to me, it's not even American. That if you look over mm -hmm. at... Soccer leagues, they get even weirder than we do. I mean, we're probably more sane oh. than the soccer fans. Uh, fucking soccer fans are out of their goddamn minds. And this is a worldwide thing with them. Everywhere but here, actually. It's inviting a gang of fucking crazy assholes who are pissed drunk directly into the stadium and then having them fight each other in the stands. Now, Hicks, you don't have, you're a Giants fan. Yeah, baby. But you don't have it tied in to... The pasta and family gathered around thing no. that that we're being told is just a universal thing for the. So why are you a Giants fan? Oh, uh, my dad, I think, won some money on the Giants. Yeah, and, uh, in the Super Bowl, and um, that kind of associated like then he became like really into it. <laughs> but the reality of it is, is like you're not liking them for any reason more than they were the local team. Like, there's no reason Fez should like the Buccaneers. They were just the local team. I also, I also, growing up, liked what my dad didn't like. So my dad kind of liked the Jets and liked Joe Namath. So right. when I was quarter, the Pee Wee League quarterback and 12 was available, like an idiot, because I always wish I took it now, I didn't take 12 as the number. Like, I liked against my father's team. But I'll tell you something about the Fanatic. Yeah. When I, 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 and I was. I was crazed as a kid. Um, beyond what was probably healthy. And I, I three instances I can recall are Cheese Whiz was big when the Giants played the Bears in a wild card game when the Bears had that unbelievable team in 85. Right. And Cheese Whiz was new and huge. And I'm eating chips and dip, which is also part of the tradition, as my, my six-year-old will tell me what I like to do is eat chips and dip and watch football. You still eat Cheese Whiz, though, like a no, fucking idiot? No, I don't go. Come on. Come on, right. my, my tastes are much better than that now. Um, salsa. <laughs> um, but I'm eating the cheese whiz, and Sean Landetta is backed up to punt in the end zone, and people remember this, um, and he misses the ball. He goes to punt and misses the ball, and the Bears recover, and I threw up. I actually threw up. Nine years old, I threw up watching a game. And then I had to go in like the back Italian living right. room that nobody ever went into. You know, when we had right. one of those rooms at my dad's house. And, uh, and I had to lay there for a little bit. And then, I, I, you know, the other time I, I, I can think about this is I, uh, when Notre Dame played Texas A&M in the Cotton Bowl in mm -hmm. January of 88, um, they go up 10 nothing in the game, and they lose something like 35-10 or 38-10. And Tim Brown's the Heisman Trophy winner, and I had this big picture of me and Tim Brown together with our number one fingers up. And, um, and Tim Brown gets tackled on a kick, and the game's out of hand. And they take his towel that I guess his girlfriend had given him, like the towel to keep his yeah. hands dry. And other opponents knew about this, so they held him on the ground and took it. And he gets up swinging, gets a personal foul call, and gets, Holtz sends him back up the tunnel. 
You know, and he's not allowed. And I cried that night Throw when that again? happened. No, I cried. I cried. <laughs> After dinner, I went up in my sister's loft, um, and I just cried alone to myself. I mean, but that's being, and I knew that was they unhealthy. I know. It was, but it was heartbreaking to me. He was back in his hometown of Dallas. But, and, and that's, and part of that, why does that happen? I don't know. And it's funny because I wanted to get into Notre Dame last year. I did. And I'll tell you this. They lose to Michigan. There's like 27 points scored in that fourth quarter of that game. And I was so upset. And I'm like, here was my thinking. I emotionally let them back in my heart. How could I let that happen again? I healed myself of this. Um, Stay away from the cheese. (laughs) We're going to um, uh, break right now. Uh, we'll be back in just a little bit. I want to talk George Plimpton with you, too. Amen. Because the documentary is... Megan... Uh- Megan, it's world premiere when in a few weeks. Uh, June 21st and 23rd at Silver Docks down in uh, the D.C. area, the Silver Docks Film Festival. Well, that's a very cool uh, festival to be a part of. I've had friends that have stuff in there before. Uh, so that's June 21st Yep. Uh, at Silver Docks mm-hmm. in the D.C. area. We'll break. We'll come back and talk about, to me, one of the real great uh, sports reporters. Absolutely. Uh, was George Plimpton. And uh, uh, reading his books as a, as a kid was phenomenally fun for me. Uh, we'll be right back. It's the Run Fest show. You got a phone. Oh, you're all alone. Man, you're stoned. Call. You're all alone. You got a phone. Oh, well, you're Fez Watley, this is the Rodney Show. She keeps them away, Shonda, in a pretty cabinet. Anthony Cake, she says, just like Marie Antoinette. A building remedy for Chris Job and Kennedy. And it's imitation you can't take. Toronto Fez Show. Jerry Bark is sitting in with us. He's picking the Thunder in six. Chris Stanley, a man who hasn't had a bet come in his entire life. No. Heat in five. Yeah. Give it to me. Finally, this will come through. I kind of feel weird here today because I feel like I don't fit in. Um, well, Pips, our young guy over there running the board for us. Chris Stanley, Fez Watley, Jerry Barca, they were all sitting around giving high fives because, you know, Dead Father's Day uh, Club coming up. They all have dead dads. Yeah. And here I am, and I'm kind of embarrassed that my dad's still living on, yeah. still feeling stronger than ever. 
It shouldn't be because, you know, I think we'd want our dads to be alive, but they're just not. Hmm. I think you're kind of showboating in front of us right now. I really didn't know that I had so many dead dads in the same room <laughs> together. Well, piling up. I'm just, I mean, I guess the big difference is, uh, unlike you guys, I didn't let my dad down. But I think it is oh, great. Let my dad down. That even with the mistakes that I've made uh-huh. as a yeah. son, yeah. I still have time. You know what I mean? I could still, I'm not going to do it today yeah. or tomorrow but i still could do the right thing yeah where you guys it just it's done you'll never be able to tell that man how you really felt how old were you when you lost your dad uh it's four years ago so mm. 31 what about you uh 20 <laughs> why is that funny i'm just thinking that here when i was 20 i had you know grandparents no i never had those either uh, yeah, it's not, I don't know how funny that is. I'm laughing with you. I'm like, we're both laughing that your family died. Laughing. Yeah, they're all dead. Right. All of them, yeah. Well, I was also laughing, thinking about what are you doing Thanksgiving or Christmas? Drink. Drink by myself. See, I spend it with family and love. Family I don't know. Love. It's kind of fun to drink and think. I can't remember yeah. if I was 28 or 29 when I lost my dad. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. You must have been young because you were still a virgin. Well, I'm sure that... I'm still. I'm sure that helped your dad. I know. Talk about a guy who should be a Catholic priest. <laughs> Mr. Drydick could walk in any church right now and be accepted. Uh, anyway, let's get back to George Plimpton, a man who slept with tons of women. And he really did. This is George Plimpton, who uh, you guys have produced a documentary about. Mm-hmm. Lived a life. Unlike the people in this room. He's lived an actual life. An extraordinary life. Yeah, he did. And, uh, you know, it's he what he was able to do in participatory journalism with the Paris Review was just amazing. And, you know, one of the I believe it's, uh, you know, Ken Burns talks about his life and that his George Plimpton's life was his art Mm -hmm. and for us to adore and enjoy. And he did. He had that serve as his art and plenty of people got to enjoy a lot of things through him well i had read the books uh when i was a kid um i guess the uh, paper lion was the first book that i read where he went in and worked out as uh, uh like through camp and actually went into a pregame and and played football played quarterback mm-hmm. uh which was just a hysterical uh, and it was he was almost like the first reality star in a weird way, but very, very smart. Absolutely. And what he did, and people do this all the time, and we see it with reality TV, but you want people should get to know Plimpton and know that he was. He wasn't the first. There was a guy, Paul Gallico, mm-hmm. um, that believed if you're going to write about a guy hit, striking out, you should stand in a batter's box and face a fastball right. to know what it's like. But Plimpton did perfect it, and no one's come close since. And it might have been a perfect storm, too, because the NFL was 14 teams back then. And it was this um, burgeoning league that was about to explode and become what it is now, and he was on the inside, 
in right. training camp. I mean, it took them a few days to realize he he uh, was a rookie from for the from the Newfoundland Newfs is mm-hmm. how he it was told to the other players. So it literally. Oh, they took, didn't even. Yeah, that's right. They didn't even know. They didn't even know. No, which of course you couldn't get away with today. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, by the way, the Paris Review that shot that you have there was such a, a cool old school looking uh, thing. Um, but the thing that really made him great is he was a terrific writer. He was just a great, great writer. Mm-hmm. And that's what people forget is he, they think of these stunts, and I, I, I actually don't like the comparisons to Walter Mitty because mm-hmm. those were daydreams. And George Plimpton was out there actually doing this stuff. And then what he would bring back are these just great stories. And you're, and the writing was tremendous. Open Net, which is uh, his book when he played hockey and goalie for right. the Boston Bruins, is a phenomenal book. It's about 300 pages, and only five pages are about when he went up against the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. And, and everybody was just loving that, yeah, by the way. Yeah, and they were going nuts for it. But his storytelling, how he disappears... He literally disappears. It's not about him. And you get the voices of the Bruins at some Fitchburg, Massachusetts pub and the aluminum beer cans that they're drinking out of during training camp and the characters like a the backup goalie named Seaweed because of his strangly hair and things of that sort. It, it, it is amazing and extraordinary. And it's funny because I came on this project and I didn't, you know, what did I know of Plimpton was probably his cameo in Goodwill Hunting, which is... At really? This, yeah, I mean, I didn't know him. I mean, here I am. And I knew him. He was an ad guy within television. I really didn't know his work. And my first initial thoughts is, who's this kind of aristocratic guy? I've got, you know, what? how can I be related to that guy? And he's just, you know, a Harvard guy, smart guy. And then when I actually got into his work and what he did, yeah. I mean, it, it's humbling. It's tremendous because he worked his ass off. Yeah, he did. And it was... Like you said, constant. And the the magazine is great because this was an introduction for a lot of people. Uh, well, you love interviewing, too. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff that they've done with writers now going back for 50 years is amazing. But the fact that so many people were still, even, uh, I think Jim Carroll's first stuff went into that mm-hmm. uh, magazine and Franz and on. Like, it wasn't just... Back, you know, some old school throwback. No. still going on to this day. Basketball Diaries, yeah. Virgin Suicides. Yeah, you know those things first appeared in the pages of the Paris Review. There was a the first place to publish them. I mean, it, it's remarkable. Let alone Philip Roth and mm-hmm. Goodbye Columbus was the first to be published there. He launched careers of generations of writers through the Paris Review, and his and he was always hungry for adventure and hungry for the pursuit. You, you've seen a previous cut of the film, mm-hmm. and you know his pursuit of interviewing Hemingway. I mean, that's the literary interview that you could. That's the one you could get maybe in the last what hundred years. Right, is to get to sit down with Hemingway and talk about the art of writing. And the film does a wonderful job of using the letters, correspondence, the handwritten letters between George and Ernest Hemingway, and you know it just it it points to George's thirst for adventure and living a very full and extraordinary life. They said one of the things about him is because until late in life he had a father. I don't know whether you guys do or not. Can you guys relate? No. 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 
weird. You know, Interesting to yeah. go on maybe our side of the table here. Yeah. And what what they do talk about in the film is his relationship with his father and how you know that may be a place that shaped him into what is what into what he was because he came you know George Plimpton it comes down the line of uh, governors and lawyers and there's plenty of places like in Hicks. exactly. Yep, the Hicks and Hicks firm. Yeah, well, a lot of, like, you had second uh, story men in your family, um, getaway drivers. Mm-hmm. Your great-grandfather was one of the Bootleggers. Yeah. Yeah. You had uh, bootleggers. And then finally, I think on your mother's side, there was a lot of rapists. I Which doesn't that. come up much. I, I hope that is But true. his family tree, seriously. I hope that. His family tree is all roots. Just <laughs> deeper and deeper. Some weeds. Or as you call them, trees. Uh, we're getting ready for the 3 o'clock snack. Um, today's should be fun. I know you guys are going to get into it. It's uh, she-males. So, Perfect. I can find a dad that can replace my dead one. I'm sorry, I can't see through your pinhole eyes. Yeah, that's okay. What are we looking at today, Hicks? Wait, there's no dicks in these women. Look at my teddy. Oh, um, I'm, I had the wrong day. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, look at my teddy. So it's what? Teddy bears or women, teddies? Women with their teddy bears. Oh, I get it. Boy, this is uncomfortable. Do, do you find it turn out if you go back with a woman and she's got a stuffed animal in the bed? That's fucking weird. Yeah, I do too. And yet you can't act like it's a deal breaker. I found my favorite. Because it happens more than not. I wanted to do women with pinhole eyes. Fuck. And just... Finally some jack material. Doom. You look like straight doom. Anyway, to uh, see this. Uh, it's in Washington, D.C. Yep, at the world premiere, uh, the a- um, Discovery Silver Docks. Discovery AFI Silver Docks, um, June 21st. Uh, 8 p.m. and then June 23rd at noon, and there and uh, you know, Doors has come on board, and uh, the producers of the film are gonna do meet meet up gatherings after each showing. Uh, that'll be Doors uh, sponsored parties. Why are Doors involved in this? Um, because they'd like to get. Uh, part of the Plimpton they'd like to get on the Plimpton train to sure. be quite honest who wouldn't um, so but nice. that, they, they, they had reached out when they uh, some of the great things and we do we have you know we have you to thank for and the yeah, show to true. thank we, yeah it is it is um, for you know we came here last August during Kickstarter and yeah. it was um, you know the 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 first responders that really put us over the top in the Kickstarter campaign so we are it's grateful. a great it's a great documentary um Fez, have you seen it yet? I have not seen it yet. You read any of the Plimpton books? No, never read any of those. I want to do a documentary with Fez called My Life Inside. And it's about a guy who goes into his house and then only leaves for work. And I think it's going to be exciting. Mm, what makes you think that? Sell me a well, little bit. Say we're in a pitch meeting. Uh, in the third act, his dad dies. I went back to that joke. My third act. I'm trying to get everybody to laugh a little bit about Father's Day. <laughs> it's hard when your dad's dead. Well, you spent it with your son. I don't have uh, any children. I have no son. children. Thank God. Huh. Hey, I got an idea. You would make my Father's Day easy, easier. Why don't you guys come over? You can each watch one of the kids. 
And How many kids you got? I got four. Ugh. Jesus Christ. And then I can that's enjoy awful. some time. I, okay, that's Why would not you have four on. kids? Because God had it be that way, Ron. God, weird. <laughs> oh, four is too many. And how old's the oldest one? Uh, six. I would just beat my head in with a brick. Is like bath time just a nightmare at your house? Well, the house we moved into has one of those geriatric tubs. Oh, good. So the the four and the six year old can use it like a shower. So I've got them showering. Like that was clutch. My six year old can shower on his own, and I the girls won't even you know like that's that's my wife's world. The, the, she takes care of the twins. If I had four years, four kids. The oldest was six. I'd get up in the morning and start drinking until I passed out. And then I would wake up, yell, I got four kids, and I'd keep drinking again. Well, I have had the thought, you know, is it, you know, we had this Bloody Mary mix from some, sure? we entertained, and I'm like, what? is it, a pro I work at home, is it, a, it's 9.15, is it appropriate for me to have a drink right now? Yeah, I think you can. <laughs> I think if you work at home, you can drink. Fuck the Bloody it's Mary mix, just have the straight vodka. Just have the vodka. Yeah. I don't think Hemingway would have been like, where's the Bloody Mary mix? Where is it? <laughs> Can't drink without it. Um, Mike, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, Fezzy, did you get rid of the murder futon? Um, what he's asking, Fezzy, you still have the futon of death. Yes, I still have the futon. Oh, that's weird. He didn't die on it. But he died because of it. Isn't it weird that I asked you not to let your parents sleep on that? Oh, yes, yes. You're so right. Is that your favorite right there? Picks? No, this fucking creepy one is the giant. That's too bear. weird for me. I That's can't pick that. Obvious first row number five, definitely the best one. <laughs> Pips, I want you to pick one, and get away from your weird goddamn producer Hicks. Oh, I see. I'm 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 going with the the big bear and the asses up. Chick. All right, so you uh, two are really yeah, I have yeah. to. It's so crazy. He's like the Luca Brazzi for him, huh? Just completely loyal. Uh, yeah, get, oh yeah, he is. We're just get killed then. Yeah, that's I mean, right. It's really sad. <laughs> you. Uh, this is the second, by the way, second day in a row, Luka Brodsky's name. That's right, that's right. Wait, that's a good one. That is a good one. But she seemed like she's up to something. But the bears are gigantic enough. <laughs> but look, here's weird. She's on a pull-out couch. <laughs> <laughs> Grimey. Who's, yeah, who, who would think, I need to pull out couch so we can do a photo shoot. Yeah, it's high class, baby. High class. She's, she's going to be a movie star. She's going to get really sexy with this pullout. And I think her bear's missing an eye. Um, According to this bear, it's her birthday. All right. Uh, I, wanna, I want people to go over and comment on this, too. I want to know if the bear thing is weird or turn on. And... I mean, first of all, I mean, it goes back to that. Would a guy who had a stuffed animal in his bed be insane? Why is yeah. it okay for a woman to have a stuffed animal as an adult? If you saw a man, if Pips was like, oh, well, thanks for coming over. By the way, this is Benji. He's my big stuffed bear. I've kept him my whole life. What? Wait, but if a, first off, if a girl is going to dress her up and dress herself up in a sexy way. Yeah. And you're in her bedroom now. You don't care if she, you know, if, if her, if there's deli meat in her bed at that point. You sound like a guy who's A, never been stabbed, B, never <laughs> had a suit against him. Am I fucking, I'm looking around all the time. I'm looking around for a fucking uh, backup. Uh, 
But would that not be weird if a guy had a stuffed animal? It'd be completely weird. It's it's a as it's a sort of a, it would be an emasculating feature to have his teddy bear. Oh, all right. Somebody sent me updated pics of the face eating guy. Oh no. Oh boy. Is he looking oh, better? Uh-uh. Uh oh. Uh yeah. It's. I'm gonna send this over to the iBag. Um. Here's Frank. Frank, you're on my face. Hey, let's change the 3 o'clock snack to pictures of George Plimpton. Uh, Maybe you can have him holding an umbrella. Jeez, this is Radio <laughs> Shark. This is Radio Shark. Is he taking a shot at Plimpton? Yeah, is that, he, he is. is. He's just, What's up with that? He just wants to be on the air. Uh, and it was Plimpton on a bike. Radio Shark was like a common thing. Umbrella, what are you talking about? Well, he did ride a bike around a lot. Yeah. Duh. Everywhere. Well, it was great having you in here today. It looks like Heat are going to win this thing in five. I yep. got that from Future Man. He <laughs> stares into the future. That's right. He's never been wrong about anything when it comes to sports betting. No. I'm fucking loaded. I can't even walk into a casino at this point. Yeah. <laughs> That's they for fighting, though. <laughs> That's for fighting a puking. <laughs> Yelling at blackjack dealers. Or once he's shit in the pool, so they're like, nope, he's banned. You can trust me, though. I don't, I don't shit that I know you keep going back to pull-out couch girl. Give her a vote for me. Okay. Three o'clock snack. Make sure you're on this today. And really, leave me behind. I want to know. Maybe we'll even get into this tomorrow. Is it too weird for girls to have stuffed animals? It's strange. No. For an adult woman to have Is that. it a deal breaker, though? It might be strange, but would it be a deal breaker? Well, there's no such thing as a deal breaker. Okay. All it right. wouldn't okay. be a as deal breaker if she has a severed head. <laughs> oh, that's a nice head. It kind of smells. All right. Uh, we're going to get up the, the updated pictures right now of the, of the guys whose face was eaten off by the Miami zombie. He's healed somewhat. Oh, good. Because those original pictures, it was just like a fucking red mask. There was nothing. No eyes, yeah. no nose, no mouth. Hopefully we can get those up by three, and then we'll go out with us going, Oh, my God! <laughs> no, I think he's going to look a lot better, right? He's healing a little bit. Eric, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Um, first, I want to say the uh, one of those girls, I called you guys a little while ago, told you about a Colombian girl named Natalia Velez. That's her in uh, the middle picture on row two. All right, let me take a look at her. Um, right, she's also, in the Paul Lynn seat. Also wanted to say, you know, as far as the uh, the girls being, or the teddy bear being sexy, I'm not bothered by it at all, but how can it be sexy? How can a teddy bear be sexy? Hicks, you want to answer that? that? I think it's because you're pretending you're having sex with a child. I honestly oh, think that's what turns no, guys no, on. That's ruined. It's exactly <laughs> you're it. turning it into a deal breaker. It's exactly what it is. By the way, you are... Correct about this woman. She's stunning. She's and stunning surprise, in a surprise. South American way. Surprise, surprise. Ronnie picked the uh, the girl on the pull-out couch with the butt up. <laughs> we, know, we know you well, man. <laughs> yeah. it's um, It does happen. This girl's stunning, though, huh? Jesus. Yeah. Giant teddy bear, too. That helps. I bet it <laughs> Hicks does. Hicks is a fan. That the bigger he, the teddy bear. That yeah. way Hicks can pretend that he's with a child. Uh, I'm not a pedophile. Uh, hopefully, before we're out today, how much time do we got, Hicks? We have uh, 
Nine minutes. Now, I am, um, my after three o'clock's been canceled today, right? Yes. Did we um, cancel the big surprise for me? No surprise today. Can we go start that documentary about the guy who lives inside? I'm going to start a documentary about myself called I Never Got One Thing I Want. But it's terrible. <laughs> but you've got a dad. Here's what I love today. Uh, I'm having a one-on-one with Rob Cross. He asked, I saw him in the hall. Whoa. Yeah. Damn. I guess he wants the liars out of the room today. Really? So he can finally brass tax this thing. I ain't no liar. Aren't you? No. Uh, here's our buddy Arch in Strong Island. Hey, Arch. I'm looking at these, and all I see is the chicks. You don't see the bears at all? Nah. You know why? You're so much more masculine. By the way, <laughs> Arch is a friend of mine, very Catholic, and sings Ave Maria at the drop of a hat. Nice. Yeah. He almost comes off as a guy that could make big money going to firemen funerals. It's just like he's got that kind of an Irish thing going down at all times. <laughs> very cool. All right, Arch. I'll talk to you later, buddy. See you, buddy. Bye. Peace. Uh, did we get back about that other unmasked with Roland? No, not yet. We like to not get back to people. That's our thing. Hicks, I look over at you, and I notice every time I have a complaint, you take a drink of water. <laughs> I'm very thirsty. Yeah, are you? Because I think that you're actually doing this. Motherfucker. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thirsty. Take it out your room. Mm. This is good stuff. It's ice water. No, there's no fucking surprise for you today. You're shit. Uh, there's no surprise today. I want I you to, to yeah. take your beady little eyes. Yeah. Look at Watley. Can you see my eyes? And barely. Yeah. It's working. We're slowly killing Bennington. We're slowly killing him through our deeds. No. And our transgressions. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. Why not? It'd be fun. No, it doesn't. It'll sound make fun me happy me. if you don't. It'll make my no, day. That's it'll not, make my day. No, that's not going to make you happy. Seriously, it'll finally make my day. Could no, you just do it for me? I can't do that. Please. Nope. Not going to happen. Not going to say it. That sucks. Now I got no closure. They always say in improv, say no. And that's the way to keep the improv going. Feds taught me that as a child. Oh. He goes like, say no, and it stops everything cold. It's anti-Second City. Okay. So it's Second City. It's kind of like Third City. Um... All right, it's uh, up. Apparently, uh, Hope just tweeted it, too. And, and no, it's up. Uh, Ope has it up on his. Yes. So you can just head over there and check it out. All right. Uh Hicks, what do you got going down tonight? You gonna do the uh, nine o'clock thing? Yeah, I am. I won some fucking prizes. Uh, Just for myself. I played last night. Did not win. Brian A won last night. That guy must be feeling fucking great about himself. He got the Pat Cooper book. Fuck yeah. Um. I'd say we'll have it up in a few minutes. 
And when are we going to announce that next time, Mast? We better do that soon. Yeah. Because you're locking down the next one after that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, two days from now, Thursday, we're going to announce the next time, Mast. Would you please say that thing for me? I can't say it. Then we'll have a bad day. All right, was it I transgressions? Yeah, just yell out transgressions. Transgressions. Thanks. Fez, look at me when I say that. Transgressions. It really means a lot that you fucking put your whole heart into it. Well, I don't feel good saying something like that. Um, and the game starts tonight, right? Yes, the finals tip off tonight. You're finally over your devils, getting fucking wiped off the face of the earth. Last time, I mean, you went out, but you went out like bitches. I mean, just... That was a beating. Every time I fucking turn around. It's just like a train was driving through there. Fucking really bad. I turned it on, 30 seconds goal, turned it off, turned it back on, saw the third goal, and it was only about <laughs> yeah. two minutes later. It was horrific. Oh, it was a good run that they got there. I mean, the Kings were tough. It ended really badly. It did. It did. Just like it's going to end for the Heat. Oh, shit. Listen, LeBron. Let out. LeBron's got it. Why don't you guys uh, do a hair versus hair bet right now? <laughs> sure, let's do it. I'll put my hair up right now. <laughs> my vein self. I'll have to get back to you on that Are you really vain? Am I vein? I'm, yeah. I'm pretty vain. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, that's good. I've I didn't think you had any reason. <laughs> um, your opportunity to go see a really great documentary uh, at the Silver Docks in D.C. That's June 21st. It's the Plimpton documentary. Where's your website for people who want to check Plimptonmovie.com. Our trailer's up there. Oh, I love the trailer. Sometimes I'll go and just watch the trailer, and I think, this would have been my life if... Only Hicks and Fez would have got behind me in my dreams. I say that all the time. And then sometimes sucks. I'll just put, like, I'll just see pictures of Plimpton. And then I'll superimpose. I Photoshop now. And I put Hicks and Fez next to him. And then I have Plimpton crying. And then I put, where did everything go so wrong? Oh. And then I write, oh, I know. Hicks and Fez have been working against me. No, that's not true. I know it's not true. It's photoshopped. <laughs> <laughs> it's all made up. That's the beauty of it. It can become whatever you want. All right, the picture's up right now. There he is. Oh, oh God. God. What the oh, God. fuck? Oh. Jesus Christ. Oh, Oof. Oh. 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 Turn it down. Yeah, scroll, 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 scroll. Oh, click somewhere. Scroll, you made it, Jay. You made it. Stop. Stop. I fucked up. I fucked it up. Take it away. I fucked it up. Oh, it's up on the interbank right now. Oh, pour something in the computer. What's that mean? Just to short it out. I didn't know where that was going. I did not know that he meant... Really, take it off there, because I got to end the show. Just take the whole fucking thing off. <laughs> He's playing games. He's playing games. It's off. It's off. It's off. It's off. It's off. It's off. Turn that screen off. It's off. Turn the screen off. All right. There you go. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Uh, the snack is up along with pictures of Facey. Up on the interabang.com, the George Plimpton doc. Uh, you'll be able to see it first 
June 21st if you're in the D.C. area at Silver Docks. Or check them out at PlimptonMovie.com. PlimptonMovie.com. See you guys in here tomorrow, 9 o'clock tonight. 9 p.m. We play Search, Search, Hurry Up, and Search on the iBang. Uh, that's the end of my show. Donk. <laughs>